What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 55th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. We are back. We are back. are people yeah. listening? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Who yeah, knows? I wouldn't. Uh, yes, we've been, um, we haven't done a regular episode in what seems like a while. Right, or, um, in my case, I haven't been regular in a few God, hours. Stop. Go listen to our spoiler <laughs> cast of Rise of Skywalker if you want to hear the payoff to that joke. Um, Rise or release of Skywalker. <laughs> I hate you. Stop. Uh, but yeah, it feels like a little while since we've done a regular episode. Yeah, um, but we, we've been pretty consistent like we had the best of the decade episode which i mean we released that what a week or two ago yeah just a, a and week so or, i mean yeah. you gotta let that sit for a little bit for right? a decade you know yeah. we're done we're done <laughs> um leave it on a high note yeah because we banked a couple episodes and i know we've been a little inconsistent throughout the month of uh december and that's for a myriad of different reasons uh Ooh, myriad. On, the, on the reviews channel um we were off for a little bit. I think it was a month in between our reviews just because it's weird because both you and I see most of the fall films at, at TIFF. TIFF. So we did have reviews for most of those movies, but they were all in those the roundups roundups during TIFF. So that makes me think of next year, maybe breaking those up into their own reviews or something like, like that. Like we did with Joker. Um, like we did with Joker, and even if it's a little bit more work on the back end, then they're at least a little bit maybe more easily accessible to people. When you it do love it on the back season. end. Uh, <laughs> you. Um, so, yeah, I apologize that we've been a little off and that we haven't done a, a regular episode in a while. So we have a buttload of trailers to go over today. There's some news. Nothing crazy really happened while we have been off no i mean there's been uh, it's award season so you know you've had sag bfca golden globes that kind of thing and and like a lot of critics groups chiming in with their um predictions and picks on what should be nominated and what is being nominated and whether or not that gives any leeway to uh academy award consideration yeah so we'll touch on that later in the show as well as like i think there's like 10 plus trailers we got to talk about so there's a lot it's trailer on. heavy there's um, not as much news yeah but lots to talk about yes way. uh so if you guys didn't know this is the untitled movie podcast usually each and every week eric and i get together and shoot the shit talk about what's going on in our lives what's going on in the entertainment world what new trailers are out there what you guys can watch at home what's going on um we do this each and every week you can usually get it but we don't have a specific day. You'll get one a week. Right. <laughs> It'll drop at some point. Um, if you like this, uh, we have another channel called Untitled Movie Reviews, uh, where Eric and I sit down for 20 to 30 minutes to discuss. It keeps getting longer. <laughs> right. <laughs> a little bit. We well, when to, you have movies uh, such as Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and, and Cats, uh, you need to have that uh, extra time to really dive deep into the nitty gritty of it all. Yes, of the kitty films. litter of it all. Uh, yeah, like Eric mentioned, we have reviews up right now for uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which is a spoiler-free discussion, as well as a 40-minute discussion on on the, on the hellscape of cats. Um, we also have reviews for 1917 and Little Women up on the channel right now, and as well as The Mandalorian, I believe, by the time this episode is... No, maybe Mandalorian will be after the finale of The Mandalorian 
you guys will get a yeah we lied um, we were originally going to do it in uh groups of twos but now we are doing it in two and then all of them (laughs) yeah so you know as whatever (laughs) it's the time of year um i i i just want to quickly say like i um you know had some personal things my grandfather's uh been in the hospital he's doing really well he had hip surgery he's making a a full recovery and will be out of uh the hospital on january 2nd but it's just been a little bit of a a, a stressful for my family and stuff so it's and you know we're taking care of my grandma right i mean people can i mean we put out enough content this year that i think if people were really missing us i don't know why you would no (laughs) uh that we had that best of the decade episode and we had a good last episode and you also put out one of the hottest uh, viral sensations of the year oh my god we haven't talked about that on the show no. have we no oh my god that's how long it's been since it I, has it's only been a few weeks i guess but in in, happened, in, in but social like, media terms oh, it's been like a, a century sen- yeah, <laughs> yeah a decade just, at least i'm old news by this point yeah. but um and we didn't talk about your trip to la either, oh yeah right? like you're like uh yeah so there's a lot to talk about we can just kick things off and well i I'm, i hope your grandpa is doing well he is um, he doesn't like being surrounded by old people no okay yeah, yeah. that's tough I, yeah. my grandma and grandpa he's we, 91 we, yeah. and he's like complaining he doesn't old people cramp a style right he's he's doing really well like he so he fell he had a, a bit of a dizzy spell when he stood up and fell and broke his hip but when he got into the hospital the doctor looked at him and and said like this could have been so much worse and that you right. were in amazing shape yeah, my grandpa's for 91. In, yeah, my grandpa's the same, man. Like, he's in his 90s now, too, and my grandmother just had her 90th birthday. Uh, but, yeah, same thing. It's tough because, like, I, we recently had to put my grandma in, in a, a, an old folks' home and and uh, she suffers from dementia and things like that. So it, it's been tough for my dad and my family, too. So I totally get you, man. And, and uh it's been tough on my grandpa and and things like that. My yeah. parents are moving, so like a lot. Oh, they're of moving. Shit. Yeah, dude. So a lot of stuff like is ch- has changed. They, how long have they lived there for? Since I was born, man. Since a couple years before I was born, it's the only home I've ever really known. So it's wild. So I mean, that why I brought that up is because it. My, Where are they moving my, to? The exact address? Can you repeat yeah, it? On well, that? my grandpa and grandma. Um, my grandma moved into a home. My my grandpa's going to move in with my my aunt and uncle. So my dad is buying my grandpa's house. Uh, so they're downsizing a bit and they're going to move to a smaller bungalow um, and sell our my childhood home. Um, get a little extra cash, you know, because this, be, this will be cheaper. They're, my, my parents are retired now and my mom still works like part time and stuff, but my dad's retired. So, um, so yeah, that happened over the last few weeks. But then, yeah, um, after so... Is that why you all went to see the Polar Express together? Yeah, yeah we did. I'll talk about that and what we've been watching. But um, just when it comes to what people have missed over the last couple of weeks, um, yeah, we both had uh, some weird experiences. Me, uh, I think it was the same weekend, but <laughs> you were away and I was at home going, what the fuck is happening? Um, I made a dumb joke about Baby Yoda and Baby Groot, and it went viral, which is wild. It, it um, As we're speaking, I think it's at like 360 2,000 likes and and 70,000 plus retweets or something like that. So, Your hatred for Groot. Um, I love Baby Groot. Felt... It was literally me just being no, don't an apologize. idiot. Don't apologize. Um, everyone knows Listen. I'm a Marvel fanboy too. So like 
Uh, I made a joke saying I'd burn Baby Groot to keep Baby Yoda warm. You are <laughs> like, a sick fuck. It is. It was pretty demented, but I knew it was funny when I was writing it. Right. I was just like, but oh, you didn't know how is- funny yes. it was, and it went fucking. It caught fire, man, and literally, just like Baby Groot's dead body on the Jesus. ground. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, it, it was wild. That weekend, I had to shut off uh, all my Twitter notifications, and uh, it blew up and went everywhere. It was on a bunch of meme accounts. It a meme account that had like 15 million followers, a couple other ones with a couple million followers. People were yelling at me, all these Marvel fans and stuff being like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> and uh, getting like threats from people and, and saying that they're going to come find me and beat me up or... or Over uh, a yeah. fictitious Believe character. Believe me, dude, it was weird. People going on my family Thanksgiving photos and and saying horrible things to me and and shit like that. And I'm just like... And the internet needs to chill the fuck out. It's just a joke, obviously. And two, it's a fictional character who's a tree. Chill. Like, even even Vin Diesel and James Gunn would be like, guys... Oh, James Gunn, I think, would laugh at it. Yeah. Um, He probably saw it, I hope. Um, But anyways, that was a weird experience. Um. And it's still like my Twitter notifications are constantly when I when I log in, just like it's still because even if it's slowed down incredibly, it's still like a still consistently getting. So is this going to um, be one of the things that's written in your obituary? I hope not. But, <laughs> uh, I should put it on a T-shirt or something or try to make something from it. But I. I I think it it got some exposure to this. So if anyone's listening that was from that tweet, this you probably already listened to a bunch of other nonsense before we actually were able to talk about it. Or but, already have um, unsubscribed or... <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, but no, I think it helped us when we saw our Spotify wrapped uh, stats and stuff like that. There was some cool stuff uh, over the while we were off that we saw. And I think we got a little bit more exposure on, on the podcast and things like that. So... It was cool. I mean, it's 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 always satisfying when you you wrote something that you thought was very funny, but then you get that validation from a bunch of strangers that oh, that is really funny. And right? You're like, okay. And no, sometimes you're not it expecting take, it to kind of. I knew go it was the way funny, it does. and I was like, you know what? I I know this will do well, but I don't know how well it did. And right. it obviously caught with a lot of people. It was like that perfect storm of like Baby Yoda was at the height of its fucking like memeness. It still is. God, he's so like, hot right now. Um, and I just capitalized on it, and because that baby and Variety posted that article about talking about um Baby Groot's response to Yoda, and it was just the perfect storm of like I had this tweet in my head, and um, and I just was like, this is funny. I'm gonna tweet that. The weirdest thing to come out of this thing, though, now knowing like this thing that's reached millions of people or whatever like it had 27 million impressions just from my twitter let alone the ones that were on these instagram accounts with people so i had people not only like threatening to beat me up or saying that i'm a horrible person or something like that but you plagiarized uh, yeah which was so weird and like i've never experienced that right when you know you did not plagiarize something and it's not unheard of it's not the most original joke in the world okay like certainly not. not it's not like Two people, it's inconceivable that you could have had the same thought of that this wood figure, who is also a baby, to make a joke about burning him alive to protect your your new thing, right? Right. So, I ha- I when I tweeted it, uh, I, a little while later, I had this guy, like, sort of harassing me by tagging me in his Instagram story, tagging me in, in, a, in this thing that he made this comment two weeks ago 
on an Instagram photo somewhere. I'm like, how the fuck was I going to st- – I never saw your Instagram comment on this random photo from two weeks ago. Right. And, and he's probably tagging you on it not only to let you know but to like let say, know say that, other like, people, hey, I tagged this I guy said, in it yeah, a I, while ago. So. But I didn't tag – he didn't tag me until very much after. No, and, I know that but he could – then go back and say, I like... I just... I kind of muted him on everything, but it was just wild to see people, like, be like, you stole... Like, literally thinking I stole their joke. And I'm like, why would I see a random-ass Instagram comment in the on some fucking random-ass Star Wars meme page and then go, I'm gonna steal that joke? And then the other side of it was people blatantly stealing it from me. Right. Um... Check out that thing copywritten, man. Because it's it, no, I can't because it's not the most original thing. Again, but you can tell the difference between this guy posting that two weeks ago and me just having the same fucking joke as this guy, rather than the people who literally just copy and pasted it word for word after I tweeted it out right. and caught fire, or the people who screenshot it and then white out your name and put in a different. Uh, oh, that is weird. A name. So that happened twice. Where the ones that I noticed, and I'm sure it's happened more, I just haven't seen them. And to other people as well that have and done other... Just, yeah, it happens all the time. People yeah. steal jokes or just meme accounts will cut out the person's name completely and not give you credit. So there was two accounts. One was like some other handle and I couldn't find this handle. Someone just put their watermark on it to put it on Reddit to make it seem like it was theirs or something, which was weird. And another was like, I'm not going to shit talk another podcast, but I'm going to shit talk another podcast. I won't name the podcast, but they blatantly took the tweet, removed my name and put the name and photo and handle for this, a fake handle for someone who's on this podcast and like, just basically stole it. And that was there. But like, you know how you post our photos on, um, uh, on Instagram and say new episodes up, but we don't try to, you know, we don't say like, Eric's the one who actually made that photo. We just use yeah. a photo that's given to us or, or from the movie or something like that. They Photoshopped a picture of one of the dudes that's on the podcast, their name in the tweet as their header for an episode of their podcast. And, um, and then I called them out on it and they were like, Oh, sorry. Like, um, it's just an inside joke we have on the podcast where we put like this fake name on like funny memes or something. And I'm just like, guys, you that you can't do that. <laughs> I'm like, that's not cool. Right. So like, I called them out on it, and they were good about it. And like, they were like, oh, we're sorry, and they took it down. And I'm like, I don't care if you use it. Just like, if you're gonna actually screenshot my tweet. Um, give credit where credit's give, due, right? Give credit. And most places did. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I'm not claiming that I'm the only person who ever came up with this joke. Um, I just thought it was wild to see it on the other side of things when you know you didn't – you just – you had a funny thing in your head. But then it makes you almost weirdly like doubt yourself too when people start calling you out and you're like, fuck, did I read it somewhere? Did I – but then I go and look at these people's pages and I'm like – there's no fucking way in hell I would. And there was only like two people. One guy was like, oh, I made this joke on Twitter uh, a couple days ago, but it didn't really. He just made it as a comment. And I'm like, I wouldn't have seen your fucking random comment to this random other page. And then this other one was this guy who made this random Instagram comment. And uh, anyways, it was just it was a weird experience just getting and thousands of people quote tweeting and talking about you. And, and it, it was it was a weird 
weird experience. So anyways, that was my viral tweet. So, um, what a wild ride. How was your, um, you went to LA for like a hundredth time. Uh, fourth, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I know you're exaggerating. Um, your, your group was written about in the New York Times or something. No, the Washington, Washington Post. Post. Yes. Yes. Um, I read that article. Yeah. Not very well written actually, surprisingly oh, enough. Fired, wow. Yeah. Um, no, it just it just didn't have like all the information. Like you right. could tell, like if you're gonna was... write something like that, don't make it just like a yeah. And actually, look at the so uh, basically what it is is it's it's calling out the the BFCA or Critics Choice and Netflix and sort of the time of the year is that it's it's a wine and dine kind of thing and Netflix specifically is spending a lot of money to to campaign yeah. for the Irishman, uh the two popes, Dolomite is my name and Marriage Story. Uh three of which I saw at TIFF before those invites. And your reviews that were out or your letterbox rating and everything. Yeah, right and and also, I mean we talked about them on the on the podcast on the on the review uh shows that we did the roundups yeah so you can go back and check those out yeah um it was the same thing with roma last year which actually was not mentioned in this article again you know they didn't do a lot of research very new no (laughs) this happens every like five ten years in the film industry well and it's not just the critics choice because like this article kind of forgets to really say like you know the golden globes are very notorious for this kind of thing and like Reading it, I was like, "Yeah, no, I t- I get it. I know what Netflix is doing. There's there are ulterior motives behind, you know these these trips. It's not ulterior, it's very upfront. About yeah, what yeah, but doing. but you know what? Like they sure. they won't say it to you directly, but uh-huh. they are whining and dining you, right? Yeah, and yeah. we've talked about this on the show. But it we didn't change my vote. Yeah, you know, I know, like I, know I love the Argentinian steak that I had, but I didn't vote for, for the two popes, two popes yeah. anywhere. And I mean, I think the performances are fine. Yeah, but Marriage Story I loved beforehand, and Irishman, like I really liked that movie a lot, and I voted for it in certain places. But it's because I wanted to, mm-hmm. and there are still things that I've been critical about. I did not think that the the aging worked uh, overall as 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 an as it was intended to be. And I don't mean this as a, you need to de- defend yourself. Kind no, of thing. no, no, no. I, I think it's it good to more... talk about though, because it was, it was brought up and like, I've talked to other people about it that are a part of, uh, the CAA and as it's called now, uh, okay. <laughs> the, the, the car auto. Yeah. Thing? Okay. Well, it's a critics choice association. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, oh, it also C-C-A. sounds like, yeah, yeah. Okay. You, I thought you said CAA, which is the, auto I probably thing. did say CAA <laughs> because I was thinking about the tow truck company, yeah, yeah. Um, which it does sound like that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to other people about it and yeah, it's like this thing always happens. I mean, like this became kind of the norm in the late nineties with the Weinstein company specifically competing against Spielberg's, uh, Saving Private Ryan against Shakespeare in Love. And, like, that was kind of, like, the start where people were aware of it. It had been going on before that as well. But as long as you, you know, don't make those decisions based on, like, oh, well, Netflix gave me this, so I have to vote for it, then you Yeah, but I don't... I think they're... What people will be saying is, like, well, it's not even that you're, like... It's almost like you subconsciously or they're, like, manipulating you into it it's not that you're going to admit being like oh they gave me a steak so i'm going to vote for two popes it's just that you remember that experience fondly and you're more likely to i had a great experience i will not deny that collective no 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 no. um but i know what i'm voting for and like i'm not basing it on a great trip i'm basing it on the movie yeah the movie is the thing i'm basing it on. i hope everyone does the same right and i i think most people probably do 
Um, Except for Neon. Neon, I just, but, I've just been voting yeah, for Neon everywhere. Yeah. And they haven't even given me anything. So, so I'll be curious to see if this changes how they do things. If I don't think some, it will. I think it, Unless there's might some be... rules that come in that are forced into play right. because of this. Because they could, but but there's no there there are no rules for this. Like well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, and like right. that's the other part of this is that like I do feel bad for some companies that it's not an equal playing field, and especially when like it's a smaller studio that has a movie like, for example, like uh, um, Gunsmoke and Powder, which had uh, her smell. I know you didn't like it, but I but I did, and I really liked uh, Elizabeth Moss's performance in that yeah. film. And you know that's a really small company. The film was released earlier this year. They released they sent out a screener for people, but that's all they could do. You know, a lot of people are upset with Netflix specifically because they have so much money because they, they have so much money and they're also a streaming service. Like the, if this, you was, don't need to send people places. No, see. you, you don't, but I'm going to take advantage of it. Dude, I don't blame you either. I yeah. would too. I, I believe me. I'm not, if someone's going to offer you, but like, I, what I'm trying to get at though, is that like, say if this was like a, a traditional studio doing it, I think there would be less complaints about it like if but it was like universal streamer, yeah. i think that is part of it where it's like the traditional studio and system they did and get, exhibitors like, the most nominations from the they did yeah and like and, that, and i so. think that's kind of what's coming into it now if it does change we'll see it probably in the next year or so but i don't think anything's gonna happen i don't think really anybody talked about it after the first day of that article being published yeah i i again i think it's just been part of it and i think you need to when you're doing your your job, whether it's you or anyone else in this in this organization, you really do have to put the films first. And like, mm. I, I do see the point of being like, if there's not really a great reason <laughs> to do it other than to wine and dine you, um, you can't even use the excuse of like, well, we needed to show them the movie. It's like, well, you you could have sent me a screener yeah, or, or had a, a login yeah. or anything or set up so, a screening in a major city that yeah. I'm near. Right. So no, I get that. And, but I'm also on your side where if I was in the CCA and they're offering me these things, I go, fuck yeah, I'll go to LA for two days. It's not really going to affect my vote at all, but no. I'll, I'll see what you guys have to say about your movie or something. Like if anything, you go, well, we want to talk to them about our film and why they should vote for us right it's like any campaign of anything so like i don't necessarily um i mean i i get it when it's like really nice hotels and really nice food and things like that but i mean unless you put in a rule where you're not specifically allowed to pay like to do that towards things like the academy i think needs to set those rules then or something or right like, or set a standard or, or but it's it's these are all different guilds and all different award shows right so yeah, unless they're not all going to consolidate, right? Unless you all have the same set of rules, how do you really uh, come up with what is okay and what's not? Right. right? Like, yeah what than, what are, what are the ethical uh, yeah. boundaries and 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 practices and standards that should be implemented, or if they should? Because again, nothing has <laughs> nothing has ever really been kind of put together on this. Like, it's just kind of a wild west situation at the end of the year where it's like the big studios will do this kind of stuff or send you stuff. Like I got a pair of two Pope slippers as well. Yeah. And, and it's not just Netflix. Like, I feel like I'm saying it's only Netflix, but it's not like, it's like all the studios are doing things send like you some sort of thing. Like, like for example, like, you know, 
us was like the first one to send me like this those scissors and stuff nice book on you oh, know the right. making of and then they sent me a a record as well of uh michael abel's uh, score and like so all that kind of stuff and i know different organizations set their own rules so if you work for somewhere like a newspaper like washington post and something like that i i think they have in their ethical like standards when you're an employee of them that you're not allowed to accept gifts or anything so even if it comes to film reviews and voting and things like that and um uh, certain outlets might have those rules or they might even stay away from sending it to those people or or kind of things like that but when you're when your organization doesn't have rules against that and you, that difference between being a journalist and a film critic or a, you know, it's not necessarily interviewer or media yeah. personality. Yeah. And there's a lot like that. That's the thing as well with, with the with critics, the critics choice, choice is yeah. that it's such a weird melting pot of different types. Like it's not just film critics. No, like there's it's junketeers. There's like, it's a mix of yeah. entertainment personalities, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm not saying that like that takes away from anybody no, specifically not, in their but... profession, but like it's yeah, like it's not just film critics. So those lines are blurred even more because right. it's like, well, like what is the standard for this type of person in you know the media or entertainment field, and compared to this person, right? Yeah, you know, I would never, I would never put you know uh, somebody that's working at a newspaper as a film critic in the same category of entertainment journalism as you know someone that's doing media coverage for red carpets or yeah. interviews. And I'm not saying that's any less. Better it's, than the it's, other. Just it's just a different, different thing, but yeah. they're brought together because they're in the same organization. Yeah, I totally agree. So um, it'll be interesting to see if it changes next year, I guess. And I think it'll just be forgotten about, to be honest with you, until like, they, next like year Netflix like, like... <laughs> brings like Martin Scorsese to your house to shake your <laughs> hand or like, well, I guess because they have the Charlie Kaufman movie. So Charlie Kaufman will come <laughs> yeah. over and be like, hey, do you want to hang out for a couple hours? For... Yeah. <laughs> um, so other, anyways, to get that BS behind us, how was your trip? Did, did it was I miss good. one or two trips? No, it was Six. just it was just so this was this is the Eddie Murphy. Yeah, one. so this was uh, an award to celebrate uh, his career and honorary achievements, which the BFCA or CCA was actually sponsoring. Yeah, so it was it was a sponsor for uh, Black entertainment and, and Black artists and filmmakers in the industry, and so they celebrated the careers of Eddie Murphy, uh, Casey Lemons. Um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, so it was it was kind of a night of of just celebrating the work specifically, cool. and it was, I mean, it wasn't all Netflix related either. Like they, it was talking about like you know the movie Harriet and things like that. So and and Nia Long was uh, was in there as well, and like it was it was good, but it kind of felt like you could tell maybe this was something that was kind of planned in the last few months, but I could also see it kind of being a regular thing still. Like it's it seemed like. Its motivations were genuine, but at the same time, it was like they didn't necessarily have it all put together. Know what it should be, or yeah, is. like, and that happens with a lot of inaugural awards, you know, or events, uh, events yeah. or honor, yeah, honorary stuff. And then the night got really weird. Uh, <laughs> so afterwards, there was there was a, a party um, for you know like Eddie Murphy was there for five seconds and he, then he left and then a bunch of uh, fellow uh, members were like oh are you going to the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, Blu-ray 4K uh, release event and I'm like what and like oh well yeah um, 
members of uh, the Critics' Choice are invited to it. It's kind of keeping it on the down low, though, because they don't want, like, everybody going. But um, you come in, and I was like, okay. <laughs> sure, and so yeah. I didn't even know where we were going. Right. You I just, just kind of like, went I, along We all kind of, like, uh, carpooled in an Uber, and yeah. it took about, like, half an hour to get there. And I'm like, this was a really quick trip. So, yeah. like, I had to be... Um, back at the airport at like eleven thirty, the the following day. The following day, the party stopped at around, uh, or like the like the after show party was like at around eleven thirty ish. So you went over to this once upon a time in Hollywood thing at eleven thirty. Yeah, which or is after, LA time. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm pretty much exhausted as it is. Uh, we drive. We're we're driving, and then we stop at the destination we have to go around and with a group of other film critics and we're looking around and we find the destination and then i'm like why does this place look so familiar <laughs> and i'm like oh okay i know what this is and it's it was the the restaurant from the beginning of once upon a time in hollywood uh, oh, Musso's nice. and frank's bar and grill okay and i'm like oh cool so the, the, it's like the outside at the shot. location yeah and then i was like so like you know when they walk out of the the restaurant and they get the valet and pitt has that line about like don't let the mexican see yeah, you cry yeah, like yeah. so i was like oh okay that's where we are and yeah. so then i walk in to the the restaurant thinking it would be a different location it's not it's just that it's restaurant. the same bar it's the bar at the beginning with pacino de niro uh, pacino uh pitt and uh dicaprio that's awesome and you go in there and it's the exact same layout just a little bit different because of the you know like there, there were less tables and stuff like that right but it's the exact same layout and and i walk in and there is like People like you get to the main bar, and like Tarantino's there, Clifton Collins Jr., um, Edward James Almos, Burt Young from Rocky, who played Polly. Oh my god, yeah. uh, Julia Butters. Um, th there was a bunch, uh, Giovanni Rabisi was in the corner for some reason. I okay. don't know what was going on there. And then like literally there was obviously like a line of people waiting to talk to Tarantino the way that like, you know, kids line up to so, like, talk to Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. No, or a meet and greet or uh, Right, whatever. yeah. yeah. But yeah. he was be he was good with everybody. Like you could tell like he was in a really good state of mind. Like cool. he was excited to talk to people. And so I was like you have to. I yeah. got to. And so I was, you know, everybody was waiting their turn. There was a guy before me who's, who's, I think, one of the youngest film critics in our group. And, like, it was cute. I think he was embarrassed, but he didn't need to be. But, like, he had, like, this, like, panic attack talking to Tarantino. And you could tell Tarantino was like, you know, don't worry about it, man. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah. all good. And, like, he was hyperventilating and stuff like that. And, like, it all worked out and everything. But then, like, when I went up, I was like, fuck, what am I going to talk to him about? And I was like, so... I, I, I said, you know, like, I, I love the movie. One of my favorite scenes in the film is when Pitt goes back to his uh, uh, trailer and he starts making craft dinner. And I was yeah. like, you know, was that scene written as was or was that something that, you know, Brad Pitt had to actually learn how to make craft dinner and stuff <laughs> sure, like that? Yeah. And then we started talking about that. And then he asked me, like, where I was from. And yeah. I said, I'm from toronto and yeah. and actually you were the first red carpet interview i ever did for yeah. django unchained and we talked about eno morricone and um he was kind of like 
I was, and I was like, yeah, yeah. And and then we talked a little bit about um, Robert Forster um, because I I said like you know like I I'm, I wish I lived in L.A. because I would always be going to to the New Beverly and mm-hmm. like I saw that you guys were playing Alligator and it's not even you know available on blu-ray or 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 what have you and he was like well you know what i actually based uh robert forrester's character from jackie brown uh on his character that he plays in alligator so he's just basically max cherry uh 30 years later uh with more hair plugs and we started talking about robert forrester for a little bit and then afterwards I, i i was like i don't normally like doing this but i was like everybody else wasn't like fuck peer pressure so i asked him for a photo and he was like yeah yeah sure sure and so we we took the photo and then afterwards he's like i gotta say one more thing man that is the best tie of the night nice. and it's this i have this it's like this red candy cane yeah. tie that i have and i was like for the rest of the night i was like do i give this to him yeah like, you've been like here you go <laughs> yeah yeah and i i didn't because it has sentimental value of course. but yeah, i was yeah, like yeah. Part of you wanted to, yeah. I so I was like, I was like, whoa. Um, yeah. But then also, like, you hear like other stories as well that are really great. Like, you just listen to him. So, like, someone else asked him about the continuity of shooting a movie like that, and like, were there any interruptions on the production of that film? And he was like, you know what? I fucking hate the movie First Man. And he's like, That's and it's and it's not my man. And it's and it's not because of the movie. It's because yeah. during the production of that film, the Cinerama Dome was oh, painted right. like the moon, so it interfered with the shooting of them. You know, during night, oh, okay. right, yeah, right, because yeah. like it what it didn't look like the moon in 1969, even though that was when the moon landing was, but yeah. it was painted like the moon. And he was saying like they had to like move their schedule to shoot those scenes at the end, and how it interfered with the whole thing. And he's like, you know what? Fuck that movie on principle. <laughs> then it's like, such a Tarantino thing to like. Yeah, and then like he went into like someone asked him about like Tangled and and Frozen, and it was amazing hearing him talk about like how Tangled is a way better movie than Frozen, and it was even funnier because Christopher Buck was there. Oh yeah, and I don't know if he knew that he was there. Was he like around when yeah. he was having that conversation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he oh, was just he kind definitely of, did not know he was there. <laughs> well, I mean, Tarantino didn't, but yeah, but Buck, Buck was there. No, yeah, and, and yeah. I just I kind of looked at Buck over. And I was like, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> Eric shrugged his. Like, and then yeah. I was talking to Clifton Collins Jr. afterwards, and I said, like, you know, I, I kind of did want to like the want to impress him kind of thing, and I was like, you know, you're, you're Clifton Collins Jr. right? And I was like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I really. Saw a couple movies at TIFF that you were really good in. I thought you were great in Honey Boy, the scene where Shia throws you into the pool. And you, yeah. I, I know your role is small in Waves, but I thought it was really emotional and, and, and strong. And he's like, I haven't even seen that movie yet. And then I was like, you know, I've been a fan of yours since uh, since Fortress, the Stuart Gordon movie from, from the early 90s with Christopher Lambert. And he looks at me, he's like... Have you even seen that? <laughs> of course, you always need to throw in some weird fucking right. reference. Yeah, people, and and, yeah. and I talked to uh, Edward James almost for a little bit as nice. well, and he was cool and uh, uh, shook hands with uh, Burt Young. Did you? Oh yeah, nice. That's so fucking cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. It was so it was weird. Like it was just yeah. bizarre. Was it like it's a surreal experience. A yeah. Little bit? Yeah. Like I, I, you're at the bar from Once Upon a Time, time in Hollywood, Hollywood, and then all these people are there, and like. As we were coming in, Leonardo DiCaprio was leaving. Right. So, like, there was, like, this huge horde of people, people like, at the very back. And, like, like, I was like, what is going on over there? And, like, one guy's like, oh, DiCaprio's leaving. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. That's ridiculous. 
Well, that's cool. We both had wild weekends that weekend. Yours a little cooler than mine. <laughs> no, nah, they both they both equaled out. I think like yeah. it, again, like it was just one of those things where it's like I didn't. I I still don't believe it was real. That's really dope. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really really. Cool. I had a coke there as well. And you'll always remember with that tie. Oh yeah, that, I'm keeping know. that tie forever. Like I want to frame it and be like, this is the tie Tarantino liked. Yeah, exactly. Every. But time. I honestly was like, the rest of the night that I was there I was like contemplating being do like, i give this to him yeah you should, on the spot you should have been like this is my grandpa's but like or whatever the sentimental value is but it's just like but it's yours yeah <laughs> um nah I, if it has sentimental value and you never know like he could have just it might have been weird <laughs> right <laughs> here's my tie but that would have been cool if you gave it to him and then saw him on like a red carpet somewhere and he was wearing your tie that would i know been cool um Okay, let's move on to anything else over the month or so we haven't recorded that. No, well, I mean, we talked about family. We talked about our wild weekends. I don't know what else. Uh, really, the holidays were a couple days from actually when you're listening to this, Christmas has passed. Yeah. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Festivus. Any anything you celebrate, happy to you. Yes. Um. Yeah. Over the last. Uh, we haven't recorded in a while, so what have I been watching? Uh, finished the first season of Watchmen, which is incredible. I think on our last regular episode, we talked about Watchmen a little bit. Yeah. Um, I gushed about it. Um, I think it's as close to a perfect season of television as you can possibly get in 2019. Um, I think it's one of the best television shows I've ever seen, one of the best seasons of television I've ever watched. Um I am obsessed. I think it is phenomenal and it 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 holds up to being a true, you know, as Watchmen is so well loved and and revered over its 35 plus years since it came out. Uh, I think this uh you can put this against this and it be a worthy um, companion sequel, piece companion piece to the original Watchmen. Like I think it is It expands a, on the mythology of the in a way that feels like it's it's taking what's already built but actually doing something new with yes, it. Yes, and using legacy characters in a in an awesome way and just the the storytelling is on another level of how Damon I said this in our last episode but Damon Lindelof I think has really he seems like something who who someone who really listens to um both positive and negative criticism towards himself and who he works with and um and really applies that to to himself and and everything he's done moving forward because i know a lot of people praised him um for leftovers i still really need to watch that show and i still need to watch um, watchmen so. and 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 then i think he's applied everything he's learned over lost watchmen um tomorrowland what about uh, lost Prome- men prometheus everything like the good and the bad that people have said about those films and television shows that i think he um like everything pays off it feels self-contained it doesn't seem like it's just bullshitting you to try and make you go what's going to happen on season two it's just like everything feels thought out and earned Uh, one of our biggest criticisms for rise of skywalker was that a lot of the shit in there feels like you're just kind of making it up on the fly or you just brought things back for whatever reason and it didn't feel like you really earned that you just kind of let those things happen where in this everything that happens and every time you bring back a legacy character or introduce something from the old 
from the old comic into this and everything that happens throughout up until the end, MacGuffins don't feel like just like they feel in the way that if they become a MacGuffin feels super interesting and, and organic and you're like, Oh fuck it. Misdirection. That is actually really, really cool. And, um, I, I fucking am obsessed. It's so good. And I can't wait for you to watch it. And then we can do like a whole episode on it or something. Yeah. I'm going to watch it over um, the holidays and, and catch up with it. Now, Sight unseen. I also feel that like maybe Lindelof was also, you know, maybe inspired even a little bit by like Twin Peaks The Return where like he saw because obviously Lost is very much inspired by Twin Peaks in terms of its structure and its kind of strange idiosyncratic nature of the characters and storylines. But like I almost feel that he probably saw that and was like, okay, well, maybe if I apply something like this to something that I love and sort of go off the beaten path. I can create something new within the milieu of something that people know. Yeah. You know, and that's what twin peaks is, right. Or twin peaks, the return specifically like Lynch didn't make the exact same thing that people were expecting it to be. He used those characters and built something. Yeah. He created something that was truly uniquely Lynchian, but at the same time was, more than just the sum of its television parts, you know? Totally. And I think um you guys should go listen to the Watchmen podcast if you've if you've watched the show. Craig Mazin is the is Yeah, the host? Craig Mazin and, and Damon Lindelof. Uh, again, I, I gushed about it on the last episode, but um it, it's fantastic. I gotta finish that last episode of them discussing the finale. Um I've also I'll fly through the stuff I've been watching. I don't need to really a lot of it's Christmas movies. Um, so I watched the Polar Express in IMAX 3D at the Cinesphere with my mother and father and fiance Nevis. It was lovely. Did you have hot um, chocolate? No, we did have hot chocolate when we went to Canada's Wonderland Winter Festival. Winter Wonderland. Was that the same day? No, different day. Um, not interested. Polar Express, not my favorite Christmas movie. No. Uh, There's something about it that is kind of charming. I think maybe it's just the story. My parents love it, dude. Mine, mine does as well. But I, I think partly is it's because the story, you know, is, is about not giving up in what you believe in and, and you know, being true to that. And there there is something emotional about that bell at the end. Like, yeah. you know, like... About them being able to hear, hear it. it and, and, like, and, you know, like when you get older, you... Like even his sister, she lost it. Yeah, and, and it's always... something that's kind of bittersweet. But then, like, the technology is very much of the early motion capture dead eyes kind of thing and then on top of that as well like it still looks okay i'll give it aerosmith stuff is like the culture stuff it's only in two seconds in the movie but it's but it is weird like it's like why would you do that um dates it a little bit more but i was surprised at i i still agree with you that the the motion capture cg stuff doesn't hold up very well but it doesn't look as awful as i thought it would when i'm seeing it on a giant cinesphere screen in 3d right and stuff like that like what about the movements it still looks janky but um but i honestly wasn't even put off by that like i just find the movie to be okay yeah um well i mean it's based on like a 10 page picture book yeah which you can tell yeah Um, and so like they stretched that thing out to an hour and what an hour and a half yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched Jingle All the Way, which I love. It's terrible, but I love it. Phil Hartman. Uh, Phil Hartman is amazing in the movie. What, what was the line? Stuff. Lake uh, uh, Lake Minnetonga. Doesn't he also talk about like Brent uh, be- uh, bench pressing somebody? I forget, but I just know uh, 
down a late minute danga or whatever it is. And then, uh, or he's like safely nestled under the tree. Uh, Phil Hartman is the MVP in that movie. He's amazing. Arnold's awful, but the movie's, uh, the movie's fun. But how's Sinbad? Um, Sinbad also awful, but I low key like that. Movie. I kind of like the, the toys though themselves or, or the, the, I remember the loving man yeah. toys do feel like power ranger action totally. figures. Yeah. Uh, the branding is on whatever. point. No, is it Buster or the, 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 the pink dog that no one wants. Yeah. <laughs> um, boot, no boot, no, whatever. Uh, I watched, uh, I finished off my star Wars, uh, uh, rewatch with, um, solo, a star Wars story. Um, four stars. I really enjoyed it. Again, I was a little inebriated when watching it, but I still think it's sort of fun. But um, one of my, I just really wish I could have seen that Phil Lord and, and Chris Miller version. Right. Just, I really want it. Would that. you give it half a mole off? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, watched all three Santa Claus movies. They're all available in 4K on Disney Plus. The Tim Allen films? Oh, yeah. I don't um, think I've ever seen the third one. Dude. Martin Short is Jack Frost. Yeah, I hadn't seen it either. Uh, not it's, you know what? I thought it was going to be worse than it was. Honestly, I think it's more slightly more enjoyable than the second one because the second one just does, it does that thing where it just does the same thing over again for the most part, and the Mrs. Claus stuff doesn't really like. Well, the second one is that his son's on the naughty list, right? Yeah, and and he needs to find a Mrs. Claus. It's all about him. That's it. The Mrs. Claus. He needs to find a Mrs. Claus before Christmas Eve. So it's like a weird romantic comedy kind of thing. And isn't it Elizabeth Mitchell? Yeah, it's from Lost. From Lost, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Julie, right? Yeah. 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 Julie, yeah. Um, And I watched Muppet Christmas Carol, the best version of Christmas Carol. Uh, It is. I like the Uh, Alistair Sim version. um, And I watched Home Alone 1 and 2. So a lot of Christmas content. Yeah. Um, I love Christmas, and I just like I watch the same movies every year. But gonna watch Die Hard. Um, yeah, I actually might go to the Cinesphere. Um, if we could go tonight, but um, or tomorrow I might go. Um, it's playing at Cinesphere, so I actually do want to go see that there. Um, Die Hard's another one that I want to get out of the way. I want to watch Klaus or Claus. Oh, on, on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Netflix. Um, I've heard it's actually quite good. Um hand-drawn animation it looks like too probably mixed with some cg but uh i thought that was really cool looking so i want to watch that still uh in the middle of watching elf and how the grinch stole christmas this happens a lot where nevis just falls asleep like while we're watching a movie so and this happened with elf so it was on amazon prime to watch right uh started on amazon prime uh got halfway through before nevis fell asleep and we needed to go to bed or whatever um pop it open the next day not available anymore it was the last day <laughs> and i'm like god damn it I'm like, that would happen to that you that sucks dude and then i went to find my blu-ray of it i opened the case and it's not in there and i'm like fuck christmas movies that happens because i bring them to my parents house and we watch them there and then right. i never fucking put anything back the world does not way. want you to see elf this year i love elf i should have went to paradise uh cinema to go see it um and then um not going to talk about this very much, but I did go see Six Underground, or I almost saw Six Underground. <laughs> As you were texting me how bad uh, Six Underground was. Yeah. Um, I could not do it. I had to leave, so. Couldn't do it. Didn't. Not gonna do it. 
didn't watch all of it. Um, and that's it for me. What have you been watching? Well, Matt, let me uh, pull up my uh, trusty notes here. And uh, I'll start off with Richard Jewell, since I strangely remember that. Uh, this is the new Clint Eastwood movie that is currently in theaters. And it is definitely a late period Clint Eastwood movie because... Even though it might be his most uh, pragmatic film and uh, most accessible and maybe well-made since Letters from Iwo Jima, um, there's a really suspenseful sequence in which um, a bomb is planted and a group of security guards have to figure out what to do and sort of moving people away from it. So this happened. This is the 1996 Olympic bombing that took place in Atlanta and how Richard Jewell, um, the security guard was the one that spotted it. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser plays uh, that role, probably best known for movies like black Klansman and I, Tanya. He's actually really, really good in the movie. And so is Sam Rockwell as his lawyer. Uh, those roles were originally going to be played by uh, Jonah Hill and Leonardo DiCaprio, who are still producers on the film. And uh, at one point, Paul Greengrass was going to direct it as well. So the film probably would have been a little bit more neutral in its politics. Um, it's a pretty good procedure, even though it is very much slanted to the right, even though Eastwood... I think is more of a libertarian than anything else, but yeah. it's still like almost like playing to like, he knows his audience and his audience is right wing Trump supporters. And so the one character that is very problematic is the Olivia Wilde character. Yeah. I keep hearing about it. And what's weird about she's it. She's defended it a little bit. And I don't. Okay. So here's the thing. So she's playing this writer, this journalist for an Atlantic newspaper, uh, uh, Kathy Scruggs. And Kathy Scruggs was kind of known at, she, she passed away, uh, I think in the early two thousands, but she was known as like a big personality, really like, you know, people were drawn to her when she walked into a room, but like, she was a good reporter and she, like, she did her work and she knew what she had to do to get the story right. In this movie, they portray her as kind of like this incompetent, hungover, um, pardon my English, floozy. That's how they portray her. And that the only way that she could ever get a story is by sleeping with somebody to get a scoop. So in the film, you see her uh, sexually approaching and, and, and suggesting to John Hamm's FBI agent to give her a tip as to who their their prime suspect is of the bombing. And he gives it to her based on a, a trade for, for sex, either in a car or in a hotel, but it's going to be a quickie. And it's like the whole time she's betrayed like this through the whole film until like the last 20 minutes when Kathy Bates, who's playing um, Richard Jewell's mother, has this big kind of moment giving a speech to the press about like how they've destroyed his her son's life and and to be fair this did tarnish richard jewell's life who was innocent and like even though he became a police officer afterwards he was never able to regain any of the the glory or you know clear his name like somebody's gonna think that you're suspicious no matter what and then he died yeah. of a heart attack um but yeah and then she like cries when kathy bates gives this like speech about how the press is evil and they've you know condemned this man to uh, a fate worse than death and how you know the press specifically are terrible people and like you're watching this and you're like there are two people i want to have a candid conversation about with this one is the screenwriter billy ray who's not 
a conservative writer, I don't think. Like, he writes a lot of, like, B-movies and thrillers. Like, he was a co-writer on Gemini Man this year and things like that. And, like, he wrote and directed... One of the 11 writers. Yeah, Breach and stuff like that. And And I would be curious to get his thoughts on, like... If that was something that he wrote or they brought in a ghostwriter to change things up, because Eastwood is doing this deliberately. Like, you can tell, like, he is stoking the flames and and, and, and enraging, you know, left-wing sure, yeah. and conservatives to, you know, different approaches, obviously, and, and, and conservatives specifically sort of like, you know, rah, rah, rah kind of thing. And then... I would like to talk to Olivia Wilde and just, like, have an honest conversation with her because, like, she is way too perceptive and smart and thoughtful to look at that on the written page and say, like, this this is okay because it's not. Did you like, read her Twitter thread? Yeah, I did. And it still is just weird because, like, I just don't see, see how it would have changed based no. on, like, a script or her performance based on how they changed it in post. Like, this is the same filmmaker who released Booksmart this year. And, like, it goes... So is it just her trying to cover her ass? I or? think a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with saying, like, I wanted to work with this filmmaker. But, like, she's also very much you know, politically motivated and, and she's, she's, you know, out there promoting things and protesting things. And it just doesn't seem like it's something that she would take. Like, even when I first heard about it, I was like, wow, this guy, like, cause when they started shooting this movie this summer, um, the, the, uh, the abortion, um, uh, bill was coming up and apparently right, right. there were a lot of, movie productions that were leaving uh atlanta because, because of that, yeah they didn't want to give any funds or money to the atlanta government. to the atlantic government but eastwood was like oh i don't care about that i'm still gonna shoot there so i was thinking like when i heard olivia wilde's name cast i was like oh she'll just drop out because she won't agree with that because like she probably doesn't agree with that um but she didn't and then watching the movie i'm like what are you what are you doing so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I again, I think she's amazing, and I I love Booksmart to death. And I was just, it's just, it was very puzzling to me watching it. Like, why? And then, yeah, again, like other than that, it's it's okay. It's it's an okay movie. Like, it's like better than his Jersey Boys. And yeah, I I don't know when film. I'm ever gonna get around to watching it, but I might. Um, but with his stuff, I find that like I either see it in theaters or I never see it. Well, I mean, we had quite the experience with the mule, and like part of it was like I, I didn't even know that's what we were going to get, like because it actually sounded like a pretty interesting storyline, right? Where you have this much older man becoming a drug smuggler for for Mexico, but little did well, maybe not that surprising, but obviously again turns it to a very slanted red opinion yeah um but there are some comical moments where it's just like really you're doing this that's sexy okay <laughs> the threesome the threesome two threesomes in one movie and you just know behind the scenes eastwood is like we're gonna do it we're gonna have two of them <laughs> and it, it's just bothering me a little bit now because i used to love eastwood as a kid like i looked up to him as like this cool you know, outlaw kind of guy, like his characters in the Leone movies and, and things like that. And I always kind of thought he was kind of like a no-nonsense bullshit kind of guy who just, you know, did his own thing and kept to his own. And then in the last 15 years, he's just become this weird 
parody of himself and like the stuff with him like at the Republican convention talking to Obama in the invisible chair. It's just like it's tarnished that. It's ruined that reputation. I don't like Eastwood anymore and it sucks because I want to, but I don't. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. So that's my thoughts on Richard Jewell. Cool. <laughs> um, so I rewatched. Oh, actually, I should go into this next because it's it's topical as well. So I watched Bombshell, and Bombshell is one of those movies where it's all about the acting. Um, the performances are very much impersonations. Although I will say that Charlize Theron is really really good in the movie. Like she actually looks and sounds Megan Kelly Megan Kelly which I think like the main criticism and I have this criticism with it as well is that like how can you make you know Megan Kelly a compelling character and what you have to understand is that you know sexual abuse whether it happens to the worst human being in the world or she might be a shitty person but yeah she does not deserve it either way and and that's I think the point that the movie's trying to make but it is also still hard for you know like you to watch it and say like hey maybe you should also point out like all these horrible things that she has said and it doesn't maybe once or twice but not enough and then it lets the Murdoch family off the hook almost entirely that they were quote unaware of what Roger Ailes was doing so this is about uh, the Fox News scandal sex scandal that uh, blew up in uh, 2016 on the eve of uh the me too movement and roger ale specifically sexually harassing uh women uh at the studio and also bill o'reilly and sort of the fallout of that and how um megan kelly gretchen carlson specifically were the two kind of catalysts and sort of getting things moving and changing the culture at fox news to a certain degree i mean i i don't know like at the end of the movie they kind of like show that it's like okay well one guys just replaced by another and like do things really change but watching the film like it does feel like it it's basically the big short or vice but it doesn't have that gonzo style that adam mckay brings to it and jay roach is just kind of directing a made for tv movie in the style of an hbo film because there's swearing and you know people are a little bit more crass but it it's okay I, I didn't hate it, didn't love it. I was just kind of neutral on it. Like, some people really dislike it, and then other people are like, it's it's excellent. And I'm like, eh, it's fine. It's a yeah. TV movie, you know, with, with a great performance. I mean, Margot Robbie's good in it as well. But, like, that's the other thing. Like, she's not playing an actual person. She's playing an amalgamation of, like, multiple people that have come through. And that's that's a tough role to play, especially when you're representing those more than one person that has been in a situation, you know, like the character she plays in the film. Um, but I always feel that those kind of cheats don't always work. And we, we've talked about this with like something even like with, you know, uh, Patriot's Day with, with Mark Wahlberg playing like, you know, multiple cops basically. Yeah. And he can't be in one place at all, you know, these, these, these spots at one time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I was kind of baffled by how much SAG loved uh, the movie because, like, even Nicole Kidman got a supporting actress nomination for it, and I was like, I, I get Kelly, I get like, I, I get Theron as Kelly getting the nomination, um, but the other thing is, like, I was kind of laughing as well because Lithgow just looks like Lithgow in buried in yeah. tons of makeup, and like, it's it doesn't look real, and then they show. Roger Ailes, the real Roger Ailes in the movie, like not like at the end, but like in the film, like Theron has this huge speech speech and sort of talking about like what 
Fox News is and sort of giving us the background. And then it cuts to like actual archival photos and yeah. and images. And he and, doesn't look anything like no, Lithgow. nothing yeah. at all. So that's even more jarring. Yeah. yeah. Um, I watched uh, Little Joe and rewatched In Fabric. Those reviews are on Rogers TV. You can check those out right now. In Fabric the, hold up or what? Um, it fell down a little bit for me. Yeah. Because it's the second story. It's the it's the um, the laundry repairman story. The one that we had an issue with the first time. Too, yeah, right? it, it, you feel it a little bit more, and that's where it kind of diverts into an anthology movie. But that first half is so good. And I'm going to be very crass for a second. Yeah. Is the cum shot still in the movie? Yeah. Okay, because I was talking to Nevis about it, and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, how did you miss it? <laughs> no, it's there. Okay, cool. I mean, I, I got, I got sure, a screener like... sent directly from Mongrel Media. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I talked to Nevis about it, and, and uh, she was like... Oh, you... it goes flying. Yeah, I was like, she's like, what are you talking about? People I'm listening like... to this are like... Yeah, what yeah, I haven't seen it in fabric. But then again, like you can't even um, begin to really describe what exactly, in fabric really yeah. is, other than like it's you know, other than Jallo inspired, yeah, semen yeah, releasing. It, like it's 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 a movie that I would still recommend people check out. But yeah, the second half of the story fell down a little bit for me. But there, but I I do love like the store itself, the infomercial, the mannequin scene, as you alluded to, all that stuff is so good. And I just like Peter Strickland. Like he's just such a weirdo. Same. Yeah. Um, same. And then little Joe was disappointing. I was hoping for like a little shop of horrors movie. That's kind of in like the vein of Yorgos Lanthimos, but it's so subtle. And then it does something that like, um, where'd you go? Bernadette does where it justifies that antidepressants aren't necessary or they're turning us into zombies. Yeah. And it's like, kind of like icky territory for that kind of stuff and it's right like, i don't know about that yeah um and then i think i mentioned it on one of our reviews i rewatched um because shutter had the red christmas uh special with joe bob briggs um the original bob clark version of black christmas uh silent night deadly night part two and jack frost the killer snowman movie not the michael keaton one um black christmas masterpiece it is an excellent film and you joe bob briggs talked about on the the special about how you know a lot of people consider it to be the first slasher movie but it's really not you know you have to look at movies like psycho and mario bava's bay of blood and things like that and it's fair but it was very much the an slasher inf- as we know it maybe or yeah a- well the the perspective sure yeah like the because before halloween like you the only other movie I could think of that maybe is close to that, but it's not necessarily "quote unquote" a slasher film. It is a horror movie, and it is POV at times is Peeping Tom. Yeah, um, but yeah, th- like this is like literally one of the great Canadian horror movies ever made. That is masquerading as an American film. They put American flags everywhere, like in like mugs and stuff like that, because they wanted to they sell it internationally. Yeah, right? Yeah. They were ashamed of being Canadian. Um, and they brought in, uh, you know, American actor, actors like John Saxon, who played the dad in uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, is like the main cop and stuff like that. I still need to see the new yeah, uh, I would like Black to Christmas, see too, which I yeah. might catch maybe in the next day or so. I really like um, uh, April Wolf, who's the co-writer of the film, and she used to be a, a former film critic, and she loves horror, so like she knows her stuff, and like so I, I want to support her and the work, and and what I've heard, it's it's completely different it's just a name um so if you haven't seen bob clark's black christmas check it out i mean it's so weird knowing that he did black christmas and a christmas story 
and how different those movies are. And then he did Porky's afterwards, you know, like it's those, weird, yeah, his, yeah. his filmography is, is weird. And then he also directed two of the worst movies ever made with the baby geniuses films. Oh God. And then he sadly yeah. died in a car accident. Um, um, I always, for the, me as a dumb kid, um, thought that I always thought Chris, a Christmas story came out in the fifties. <laughs> But it's an 80s movie, Yeah, right? it's 83. But I think it it's takes 82. place in the 50s, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. it's about a... It's about a, a it, it's like Little Women, where the, the main character is memor, uh, having a memory or a flashback to his childhood. And he's narrating. Yeah. And he, the guy... I, well, I can't I, remember, I remember the name it, of the narrator, obviously. but the narr- I always thought that the narrator was Adam West. Red Rocket. And because like, he sounds like Adam West. Yeah. Yeah, the BB gun, the yeah, red rifle. The, the tongue rifle. on the fucking yeah. pole. That's the shit I And Scott Fargus and, and the, stuff like the that. The big and, uh, jacket, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah. yeah. I, I, You know what? I've never been the... Oh, Fragile as well with the lamp. I've never been the hugest fan of that movie, but I know a lot of people that watch it. And it's when it's on, like I will enjoy it, but it's not my go-to Christmas Same. film. My mom asked for it for Christmas on Blu-ray, and I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Black sure. Christmas is more my jam. Sure, I'll get my mom Black Christmas. You should. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, which is the sequel to Silent Night, Deadly Night, the film that had uh, parents, uh, Siskel and Ebert and Mickey Rooney, protesting to have the film uh, taken out of theaters, slasher Santa movie. Then it w- it did really well for the two weeks it was released. Went through a different uh, company, re-released in 84, 85, because it was originally released, I think, in 80, 82, 83? Early 80s slasher film. And then uh, another studio tried to re-release it and re-edit the film just to trick people into thinking it was a, a sequel. And so they hired. Uh, I think you you've yeah, yeah yeah. And so that's the and like the big story is or like the thing that people most know about the movie is that uh, there's this one clip that went viral. I think when YouTube really first started yeah. the garbage day thing yeah. where this guy is shooting I think, people. I think yeah. this is a Christmas tradition now. Every year yeah. you tell you talk about this movie, and I seem to watch it. It's terrible. And yeah. literally, the majority of the film is the first movie. Like it's like yeah, fifty five percent. Yeah, of you've the film. told this yeah. story before. Yeah, and then Jack Frost. Like again. Not a good movie, but I always remembered that as a kid when going into the, you know, a Blockbusters or Rogers and seeing the um, lithogram, like the, do, do you remember yeah. that one? Yeah. Where, like, um, I I don't know if I remember Jack Frost. So uh, you, you would look at it and it would be like a friendly change, snowman right? and it would and change, it would change, change to, like a monstrous yeah, yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's horrible, but there is something weirdly kind of amusing about it. It's my cats, if you will. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Okay, cool. That's about it. Cool. Um, let's move on to staying at home. I'll fly through my suggestions. I'll also fly um, through mine. <laughs> uh, both Grinch movies, uh, both, I mean, the live action Ron Howard version and the animated Illumination version are $10 in 4K, uh, separately $10 each in 4K on, um, uh, Apple, Apple movies. Uh, John Wick 3 in 4K is $10. Angel Has Fallen, which I still have yet to watch, but hell yeah, I purchased it Well, I mean, you just heard Gerard Butler sing as the Phantom Phantom in The Phantom of the Opera, directed by Joel Schumacher. Uh, Die Hard, which Eric mentioned earlier in the show, is I think all the Die Hard movies are on sale right now in 4K. And the first Um, one's available uh, as a physical release on 4K. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home, under $10 in 4K. Rocket Man. $10 $10 on 4K, Spaceballs, $5 on 4K, 
And all four Daniel Craig Bond movies you can get in 4K right now for $30. Yeah, and you can also get those um, on 4K in physical release as well. Cool. So I'm going to fly through these, pun intended. Uh, I guess I'll start with that. Um, So Shout slash Scream Factory released a uh, box set collector's edition of the Fly series, all five Fly movies. Um, I've only seen... The original version of The Fly, the uh, Vincent Price version, and then uh, the remake uh, directed by David Cronenberg and the sequel starring Eric Stoltz. But it's uh, a nice box set for anybody that is a genre lover uh, in your in your life, specifically uh, monster movies or mutant movies. Um, and I rewatched uh, Cronenberg's The Fly when I got the uh, the box set. And man, that movie... I should not have seen when I was seven or eight. I should watch it. You should. This is a movie you would love. I know. (laughs) Um, There's a ton of special features. Like they carry over a lot from the original Blu-ray transfers, but there's, there's, there's some more stuff on there. That's really great. Um, They also, uh, Scream Factory also released a collector's edition of Big Trouble in Little China. This is, Again, you know, bring all the the features from the special features from the original one and even some more. The only people that they couldn't get for this special edition was John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. They just couldn't get them. And and it's weird because, like, it's not one that I would necessarily say, like, oh, you got to rush out and buy it. But you kind of do because I feel like Disney is going to, like put the kibosh on it. It's a Fox movie. And it's one. And the same thing with the fly box set. Like, they're all Fox films and they were deals made before the merger so they're allowed to release them now but i don't know how much longer they'll be available and especially with what fox is doing with a lot of the rep cinemas and sort of telling them you know what they can release and when they can release or if they can at all time before it's on disney plus you know god big trouble in little china (laughs) on disney plus um the they also released the universal horror collection volume three which is four more great sort of classic b horror movies um the heath ledger uh heroin addiction drama co-starring abby cornish candy uh and last but not least uh ad astra is available on 4k and we have a review up on our review uh section and also uh monos on blu-ray as well cool yeah all right, now to the piece de resistance of this episode. Uh, we're going into talking trailers. We have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like thirteen trailers. Uh, and one prologue. Well, I mean, this is the time of year about. it happens, especially yeah. when you have a film like Star Wars coming out, where every studio realizes this is a golden opportunity to have their, you know, movie, their big tentpole film from next year play in front of a movie that everybody is going to see. Yeah, I might even, we'll see how long this goes, and we'll see if we even need to talk about any of the news, or we can pick and choose what we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, where do you want to kick it off? You want to go straight into the thing you watched this morning? And Yes. Yeah, yeah we got to talk about the tenant prologue and trailer yep. um so for those of you that don't know i'm sure you do but christopher nolan's next film is called tenet it will be released in july of 2020 um there was a teaser trailer that played in front of um joker as well as in front of what was the other big warner brothers movie before that that it played in front of before that yeah joker i forget anyway goldfinch 
fuck if I know. I don't remember. But anyways, you could only see the Tenet trailer. It might have not have been a Warner Brothers movie. Maybe Joker was the first thing that it did. But there was a Tenet teaser trailer. Never been released online. Was only in theaters. Uh, the first trailer dropped on uh, Thursday morning, the, the day of release of Star Wars, because it was going to be attached to that. And then if you saw uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker at specific, uh, I think, IMAX laser um, locations, you got a six-minute IMAX prologue for Tenet. That was completely shot on IMAX film. So both Eric and I did see that. I saw it Thursday night before my screening of Rise of Skywalker. And you saw it this morning at yes. 9 a.m. I can't believe it's, it's it, like, it looks later than yeah. it is. But um, yeah. Uh, We're sitting right now and it's it's completely pitch black outside. Yeah. So. We haven't talked about this at all, really. No. Um, what did you think? Because like – I didn't for, know what was going yeah, on, to be in honest. In a good way, though. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, like, I was I was still obviously intrigued. And, and Nolan has done this before with – the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises and Dunkirk, atta- and Dunkirk and-, and attaching, you know, these prologues to kind of get people excited for the next year. And it works. And, and, and the format is very similar where, like, you have this extended prologue and then a sizzle reel that follows. And I was surprised that there were more scenes that weren't in the trailer that were in this sizzle reel. Because he made sure to only use the IMAX footage. So it took up that entire fucking gigantic yeah. screen. And so the sequence basically is a... Uh, SWAT team is called in, or what we think is a SWAT team, because it probably is not. It but seems a terrorist like, attack is supposedly happening. Yeah, it's at happening this at a national a Russian, opera house. A Russian opera. Is it? House. Is it Russian? I thought it oh. was Norwegian. No, I thought it was Russian. Well, it was shot in Norway because I was oh, looking. I was bad. looking it up as I was walking here, and I was looking to where I they thought shot it was the movie. Russian. But it, it might yeah. be. It might be for the movie Russia, but they. Yeah. I think they shot it in Norway. Okay, but it is a, a, a Eastern European uh, opera national house. opera house, and this terrorist attack happens. And at first, I was kind of like, "This is weirdly kind of comic because, like, you have like these terrorists coming in, you know, with you know masks and you know." Uh, AK-47s and things like that. And they're, like, smashing all the uh, the instruments. And it's like, man, these guys really do not like... Uh, for me, it was unsettling just because of, like, you know, the thing that happened at the Dark Knight Rises premiere with this, this oh, shooting. Oh, okay. Well, and yeah, like, I guess from I, that point of view, but, like, I'm looking at it from... Just of them, why are they smashing yeah, the instruments? Yeah, like, it just seemed that, really weird that they were, like, really focused on... Smashing the instruments. The instruments. Sure. And this was kind of odd. I didn't get that. I just got a bunch of people with guns running into a theater and shooting, right. and that was unsettling to But me. You're, you're probably right. I mean, that um, might be a response, Nolan's response to what happened mm-hmm. with The Dark Knight Rises. But, yeah, what, like, watching it, like, there's one shot specifically where, like, a guy grabs... Um, what do they call like it? A like cello. a cello and yeah. like throws it violently it to the ground and it. stomps on yeah. it. And I'm like, wow, this is like really intense. He hates fucking cello opera, man. Um, but um. then it does kind of like get into what you'd expect, like a kind of like covert operation sort of spy heist sequence. Kind of yeah. Sequence, with yeah. John David Washington sort of being prepped to go in. They put on these fake in, patches, patches and, like, and, and basically they're trying to uh, extract somebody. And they say it's all a ruse to try and um, get him out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And in that sequence, some interesting things with our perception of time happens. So 
how that pl- – I don't know. I don't want to give away too much just in case people want to not know what's going on. But basically, if you've seen the trailer, you're, you're watching like scenes are going – you know, in, in reverse, reverse while or characters going are forward. going forward. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is very much in play uh, in this scene, but it also feels like in this moment, the John, the John David Washington character isn't completely familiar with what is happening, that he's just a part of the situation. He's almost a spectator in this weird time continuum yeah and so yeah he notices like a bullet getting like kind of sucked out of the instead of going in right and then that's the first moment we get at the hints of they're messing with time here and then um he extracts the not the target but the uh the package who is this man that they have to get out it's a very it reminded me of that prologue from Dark Knight Rises of the bank sequence a little it bit. It even feels right? a lot like, like I know a lot of people or, are sorry, thinking Dark Knight, not Dark Knight Rises. It's going to be like a, a secret sequel to Inception, but it yeah. does feel like that. And it is interesting that it is coming 10 years after, after Inception. Inception. Yeah. I mean, he could still do something like that. Yeah. And it could possibly But the Ludwig be... Gornson score does sound a little bit different, though, as well. It's more synthy. Yeah. Which I kind of really liked. And, um, but the entire thing was shot in IMAX, which just. IMAX cinematography by Nolan on real film cameras is in it's one of the most insane looking things like that it fills up that whole screen and I think we have to go see Dark Knight Interstellar and Dunkirk at Cinesphere in February cuz all three of them are playing. All right, and why it not? Just, it it always I always forget that it fills that entire frame because even these digital IMAX movies that we were getting lately with Endgame and and I think uh I mean, the Top Gun trailer was that way, but we'll talk about that in a sec. But the digital IMAX still quite, doesn't quite reach the quality and the even the height of, like, real Yeah, I IMAX mean, I even film. noticed that with Tenet um, a little bit in the IMAX theater, where, like, it kind of felt like it was there, but it, it, there was something about it that kind of felt like it was just fit on the screen. Like, and there was something weird about... um some of the the digital trailers like there was some sort of displacement like it was cutting a couple of times sure. like specifically with the top gun maverick trailer interesting cuz like but then i didn't notice that with the dunkirk prologue cuz it just filled up the entire screen and it looked crazy and then yeah you get that sizzle reel at the end you see some of elizabeth debicki's character some of robert pattinson and i want to and talk like... about that quickly so, so that shot you see of her walking in it looks like she's in a kitchen Looks almost exactly like the same kind of shot in The Dark Knight when Heath Ledger is walking into the the kitchen to talk to the the gangsters about handling Batman. Yeah, yeah. I but I I have no idea what's happening. I don't know um, either. But I'm in. <laughs> it looks fucking awesome. That sizzle reel was cool. It ends with the same clip of like from the trailer with the car crash and then kind of reversing and coming back up and then them speaking in that room where it's like it hasn't happened yet kind of thing. Right. And we can talk about the differences in the the trailer we see Kenneth so- Branagh wears a mask. Yeah. Like well, uh, yeah. uh John David Washington does, does. in the original teaser, but yeah. I want oh the other thing was there's one shot in this movie that looks like an old school Nolan shot and it's the shot of John David Washington like on the the railway tracks being drugged. I think yeah, they're giving where him like he has like the Yeah, the- but there's like a shot where he's like he's sort of like directly staring at the camera and it looks like basically what nolan would have done with following or memento like it it doesn't look like it was shot using you know that shot's in the trailer right yeah and in the in the regular trailer that you can watch now and it doesn't look necessarily like 
it was shot the way that you know like you know for IMAX or anything like that like it actually looks like a like a 16 millimeter yeah I thought the same thing and you start to get a little bit more of the story in the trailer where it looks like he works for some sort of organization and which we see in the in the prologue he's working for he looks like he's a spy for the government right but he doesn't know anything about this time fuckiness or whatever. Is that actually, that's the technical um, term, time fuckiness. Um, but then in the teaser or the trailer, we see that he obviously gets captured, and instead of telling them about the organization, he probably it looks like he swallows one of those like poison. Really, I thought it was all a part of like like the ultimate test. Like they were working all together to see like oh, that's if what you I, were maybe that's what it is. So they, I think it's like in. This is a shitty comparison, but in Kingsman with the train sequence that right. I'm thinking of. Or the shooting of the dog. Like, yeah, or the shooting of the dog is like, do you have it? Like, will Do you, you have what it takes to way? go all the way? Yeah, and I think – sorry, you are correct. I yeah. think you are on the right page where the whole thing is a test ultimately to see who who is loyal and who is the most dedicated. And then we will let them know the secret of the time fuckiness. Um, <laughs> so that's what it looks like is happening. And then he probably starts to figure out how to maybe use time to his advantage and things like that. The only but thing I, think... I didn't like is that poster. I'm just going to say that. Oh now. yeah. I, I, well, when just I saw generic it looking or what I just, well, I thought it was fan made. Yeah. It kind of looks fan made. I'm not judging the movie on its poster, Fair. but like no, I, no. when I saw it, I was like, Oh, that's the real poster? I thought, like, someone just basically kind of just, like, cropped the Inception background and just kind of... Sure. And then for me... Fuck, he timed it. (laughs) Um, I'll be very interested to see some of these action set pieces and how he plays with forward and reverse time. Because it looks like some... Like, even that last sequence where the person's coming up the elevator, but they're in reverse. So it looks like they already punched him, but the way that he shoots it is like John David Washington's experiencing it for the first time. So like he was already punched, but by the way it was reversed, he's feeling the punch when it's like reversed. Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the guy comes out of the elevator and comes at him, but he's really in reverse kind of thing. I don't yeah. know. It looked crazy. And, and this the- is edited, we should mention, by Jennifer Lame, who uh, edited uh, Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story and Ari Aster's Hereditary. So I'm sure that the editing is going to be something that a lot of people will be talking about when the movie's released. has got a released. new sound designer, too, yeah. someone said, too, because they're like, hey, the IMAX prologue was audible. <laughs> you could hear what was happening. Um, sort of. Everyone right. still is wearing gas masks. That's one of Nolan's fetishes. Yeah, he loves it, man. So he loves people talking through a mask. So We all um, wear masks. Anyways, it looks crazy. It looks... It, it uh, looks like, like it is. I wouldn't be Nolan surprised <laughs> if it makes our top 20 of our most anticipated in 2020 list. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, so Tenant, uh, definitely if you have an IMAX laser cinema that's playing that prologue, I highly, it doesn't really give any, I mean, we just described it. It's so out of context that like watching it, you're just kind of getting maybe a feel for what the tone, the tone is going to be like, you don't really know what this is, what is happening. Like watching it, I felt, I I don't want to say dumb, but I mean, like I was, I felt out of sorts. A hundred percent. Um, our catchphrases back. Let's go through the bigger stuff first, maybe. Um, I mean, we talked about Top Gun Maverick, so why don't we just go right into that? So they did show an IMAX trailer, which looked like it had the expanded aspect ratio. Yeah. Um, but it was that digital aspect ratio. It didn't fill up the whole screen. No. Like in, um, uh, which is my issue with the digital IMAX stuff. Um, 
Although I did watch the behind the scenes thing for this, and it still looks insane. But Tom um, Cruise is a madman. Yeah, and it looks like they also got Miles Teller and uh, what's his name from Everybody Glenn Wants Powell. Some, Glenn Powell to do it as well. But I don't know for sure if they did. I'm like, they, there's no way they were also like, yeah, I'll learn how to fly a jet. Man, but, Miles Teller um, has got to be pissed because like Glenn Powell auditioned for the same role, The Son of Goose. And Tom Cruise liked him so much that it's like, we got to write this guy a role in this movie for him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he ultimately won the part of Goose's son, right? So right. Yeah. Gotta think you, but you, you got to think that there's like this, like this. It's weird, almost like you like, wanted both of them, but you only could yeah. choose one. So you wrote a new role for the other guy. Right? Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, this looks cool. I don't really know exactly what I forget. About Top Gun a lot, like Top I Gun. Really... I mean, it, it's it's the quintessential MTV movie. It basically invented that style of filmmaking. Right. And Tony Scott, you know, like Ridley was on the forefront of commercial filmmaking at that time, and like for better or worse, introduced a whole new generation to people like Michael Bay, who basically stole Tony Scott's style. And that's the one thing I am still kind of. Because it's Kaczynski? Yeah, and Kaczynski has not really made a movie I've liked. I didn't like Only the Brave. I didn't like um, Oblivion. Um, I thought Oblivion was fine. I don't remember a single goddamn thing about it. It was a giant speaker. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah. Tron Legacy, I I uh, sort of defend. I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't like any of his movies. So I'm hoping that Tom is going to be the force that kind of really puts this thing Macquarie came in and did a rewrite on this script too and it seems like they're taking a little bit out of Mission Impossible Impossible's playbook with Tom Cruise just being like no I want to actually fly the jets and they're like Tom you don't need to do that well if as long as they have Uh, a beach ball scene where everybody's wearing jeans and it seems like with the boys is is starts I hope they fucking but I do wonder what this is going to be in terms of a sequel or if it's going to be sort of something that's like a legacy sequel and looking back at right because Top Gun did have a huge influence on, you know, pop culture and, and modern blockbusters. I mean, even Tarantino has written a whole piece about the homoerotic nature of, of Maverick and Iceman. Like, yeah. You know, um, he talks about it at a party. I hope uh, Cinesphere brings back that IMAX 3D version that they did. Wasn't right. the 3D terrible on it? Yeah, or it was. It was real bad. Yeah. I mean, I saw it at Young at Dundas, but uh, right. it was bad. I don't know. I'm... That music cue really kind of, I'm like, ah, fuck yeah. And then, like, again. uh, They got to get Danger Zone in there, though. I know it's cheesy, but, like. Do you think he'll write a new song for it? Kenny Loggins? Yeah. Uh, Come on. I think they'll use Danger Zone, but they'll either, like, cut it to, like, a modern remix or they'll do something where it, like, segues into the modern era. Yeah. Um, Because Take My Breath Away was the other one as well by Berlin where it was, like, that's, like, a big. You know, the soundtrack was bigger than even the movie. Um, so I'll be curious. Maybe they'll use, yeah, more modern music, but, like, that will... I don't know. Who knows? Um, mo- cautiously optimistic. Same. That, is the, be, that, is, the, that yeah, is the the that is that is the the phrase to use. The theme of probably a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cautiously optimistic, uh, the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer dropped uh, while we were on hiatus <laughs> from regular episodes. Uh, tons of trailers, like Eric mentioned, because of Star Wars and, and bigger movies. Um, I think cautiously optimistic is the perfect term for this as well. Like, I I really bought into this trailer. And, I mean, I've, I've been a 
Jason Reitman defender for the most part, uh, for the better part of his career. Um, not so much with the the front uh, man. Uh, the front runner, front runner, or um, the fucking pie movie. Oh, men, women, and children. No, oh yeah, that's also bad. Damn, Labor Day, <laughs> Labor Day. <laughs> the three you mentioned that were bad. Totally I love was Up okay. in the Air. Up in the Air is great. Young Adult is excellent. I like. Thank you for smoking. Thank you for smoking. It's been a while since I've watched that though. Um, I I like Juno, but I I remember not even loving it when it came out. Like I remember Roger Ebert was a huge fan of that movie. It's it's good, but like. Up in the Air is probably my favorite. It is same. I love Up in the Air. But Young Adult has grown is on great me too. Yeah. So again, hit or miss director who gets shit on a lot. I think from but he kind of. I mean, uh, he 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 kind of brings it on himself yeah, sometimes, especially yeah. when like he like talks about his movies being in the same breath as like you know Alexander Payne and stuff like that. And it's like just do your own thing, man. Just and, do like, your thing and let people. Yeah, um, like you're gonna you're gonna yeah. have people resent you no matter what. I mean, like the nepotism thing is something that is just you're not gonna be able to escape, and especially just, in this film. Yeah, yeah, like that. I mean, and, and partly why he's doing this movie is because this feels almost like it's a safe bet for him after the flops of Tully and uh, the Front Runner. See, and Tully, I liked. Tully right? is yeah. fine. I think Tully has a problem in the movie about halfway sure. through that kind of ruins it. But but those movies not. Critically speaking, but commercially were huge flops. He hasn't had a hit since Up in the Air. So partly why he's doing this movie is because he wants to make money so he can actually then go and do something smaller afterwards. Mm -hmm. So why not inherit this thing that your dad did? Yeah, and, you know, like get the, you know, online fanboys... So that we talked this about this in Star Wars again. I know we keep bringing up Rise of Skywalker, but I... Another I hate thing the I culture hate. around yes. this stuff. And same with The Last Jedi and, and Rise of Skywalker. Is like, I don't like when it seems like you're rewarding shitty fandom, if that makes sense. No, that makes total and, sense. And I don't think that's necessarily what they're doing, but it comes across as that, right? Yeah. And that's certain things in Rise of Skywalker feel the same way. I don't know if that's necessarily J.J. Abrams' intention in the film to reward shitty fandom but some of the things they do to try to appease to everyone seems like they're doing that and i feel like i guess that's the the biggest issue with this ghostbusters afterlife we haven't really even talked about the content of the trailer but um i don't mind the paul feig ghostbusters movie it's okay Um, it's i wanted to love it though because partly because of all the hate right like and and i think it's fine i don't think it deserves the hate i don't think it deserves to be i think there's a really good cut of that film somewhere somewhere, because it it feels like there's a lot of it that has been chopped and altered throughout like there was that whole dance sequence that was like literally removed from the film and like when the ecto-1 gets to the final location have you ever watched no i haven't and i should and maybe i will before this one comes out yeah Yeah. and and like i just was like why did they cut all that stuff out yeah and i think that's all in there so i'd be curious to see if that benefits it because i did rewatch the movie one time since its release and i liked it less than i did the first time but that being said this removes that from continuity for at least we think it does right Um, and it picks up um as a legacy sequel to ghostbusters one and two um what was interesting about this though is no ghostbusters theme it played very much in that 
legacy sequel force awakens like kind of we're rebooting a franchise for the modern age kind of mystery but it's still Um, taking the iconic imagery and objects that we're familiar with like the ghost trap like the ecto world kind of did this as well right so like it's playing in that territory and you got finn wolfhard carrie Carrie Coon, who responded to one of my tweets as well. Did you see that? I did. That was weird. Uh, and she talked about Tracy Letts, because I made that comment about Lady Bird and how Tracy Letts pr- pronounces Dorito. Um, uh, which was just... Uh, some of these things are just bizarre when they happen. Um, and the young girl who was... Uh, sorry, what's her name? She was McKenna in, Grace? Yes. Which What was she in? I, Tanya, Gifted, yep, okay, uh, yeah. Captain Marvel. There you go. Yes. Uh, nailing it, Eric. Uh, Annabelle comes home. Right. I never saw, but I heard you said okay. it was okay. It's fine. Um, what did you think? Are you? I, I, I mean, I like and dislike what it's trying to do at the same time. It's weird. Like, I, I think the trailer is a little too much. Not with the, the dialogue with Paul Rudd, but I think like the shot of the Ecto one in the Terrence Malick grass wheat field, like it feels like it's just doing too much. It doesn't need to do all this. And it's like, is it like idolizing it a little bit? Yeah. Too much and I think it's partly the pedestal? direction specifically sure. where like, right. Jason Reitman is coming at it. Like this is, you know, my father's, you and know, I don't, empire. I understand like, that kind of thing, but, but like that he might be too close to it. And maybe that's going to be the problem. But what I do think is the smart thing that they did was if they are going to bring it back to this universe, this Ghostbusters universe, the one that's connected to one and two, at least they didn't make it all men. Sure, yeah. Because if they did that, I think that would have been truly encouraging. You have an equal balance of Paul Rudd, Finn Wolfhard, Carrie Coon. But it's a family. And I think a family works better than just like saying, you know what, women didn't work Throw them to the curbside. Here's Let's just get men. a group of <laughs> yeah. white guys and yeah. Ernie and, Hudson. And, yeah, exactly. Poor Ernie Hudson. Um, so I, I think that that's a okay compromise. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how the juxtaposition of, you know, bustling New York versus kind of like a countryside Midwest, sleepy town yeah. kind of thing changes the 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 feeling of it and and they also address it in the trailer and i'm kind of intrigued by the idea that like what happened to like all these ghost sightings and phenomenons like after ghostbusters 2 has a super 8 vibe a little bit yeah, obviously yeah. super 8 is well, close encounters yeah and, 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 like, and ripping off a lot of 80s movies and things yeah. like that so um but i don't know i really dug the vibe of this trailer like i like what you said with this family and the small town and obviously them being Related and they're to, obviously, uh, yeah, related to um, Egon yeah, Spangler, yeah, right? Yeah. Harold Ramis's character. Yeah. That's Which I think that's a nice like. tribute to him. Like, if you can't have him be a part the of it. The daughter even kind of has his same glasses and things like that, yeah. too, right? Like, I like that. And I, and I think, I hope they don't show any of the, because you know they're all in this. But oh, yeah. Like, I hope they just leave that as surprises for the movie. Uh, I know they won't, but. And it's weird because, like, the first Ghostbusters is considered a comedy, but I never found it. And I don't mean this as an insult. I don't, I don't find it like it's not like laugh out loud, like hilarious. Really? I, I think it's very funny. I think it's laugh out um, loud hilarious. I think everything I, you know that I Rick mean, Moranis like, says is yes. Gold. I agree. Sorry, I, maybe it's not coming out right. But do you know what I'm, I kind of mean? Is like I wouldn't necessarily just say it's a straight up comedy if that makes sense well i I mean it's it's i yeah i get what you're saying like it's not like you know like a hangout 
80s, you know, slobs versus... Yeah, like, it's more than that. Movie. That's what I mean, yeah. right? Like, I think yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, a, it's an action sci-fi comedy. horror comedy. Yeah. Like, I remember as a kid being scared by that librarian scene. The eggs freaked me out as a kid. Get her. Like, Get yeah. her, Ray. Oh, the the library when the ghost kind of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. turns is it freaks me the yeah. fuck out as a kid, and that weirdly those eggs exploding terrified me. <laughs> um, but then so, I was also just kind of weirdly amused with obviously Bill Murray as Venkman and like yeah, but it's got this weird comedy to it. That's what I mean. It's still very funny, but right. like so with this not really having any comedy at all in the trailer and it's really playing up more of the fantasy elements and like the mystery elements to it is interesting to me and right well paul rudd's the only one of of the main the principal cast that actually has any comedic experience right where like bill murray harold ramis dan Aykroyd had the you know second city snl um sctv background right well they had chemistry but like they they actually had comedy background sure yeah yeah so like this that's a that's a good point to make where like this does not look like a comedy you wouldn't know it is but i'm sure it will be funny but like um but will it i don't know like it maybe not maybe they'll play it very straight but i think it i think you will get uh because I think the last Ghostbusters movie, the Paul Feig one, played it almost com- extremely comedic, where yes. it was almost like everybody was a caricature, and they were relying so heavily on each um, of the actors' comedic talents and abilities to kind of well, I think push the scene forward. Right? And I think this will be more sci-fi horror with family horror with comedic elements which is what i would consider the first movie more so as a straight-up comedy i think that's what i was trying to like yeah convey anyways i'm again this might be the theme but cautiously optimistic i don't know i think it looks kind of cool um again i don't want to reward shitty behavior i don't think that means the last ghostbusters movie is fucking terrible and you should be sexist assholes towards it um uh, but that doesn't mean they both can't coexist. I guess, too, right? Right? Um, it's just. But you know, we're that. gonna get. We're as soon as this we get closer to the release. If this movie's good. Oh well, um, even it does. That doesn't matter. Not, yeah. Like just the promotions. Once once we start getting. When does it come out? Um, July. July. Like once we get closer to the actual rollout of the movie and the promotions actually start really like you know we get the TV spots, the billboards, and stuff like that. You're just gonna see Twitter lighting up with all this stuff again. And it's exhausting. We're already seeing it right now with Jedi and Skywalker, right? And I think we're going to just see that on another level. And you're even seeing people who I think, again, you can have whatever opinion you want, but I feel like people who hated The Last Jedi just want to stick it to people sometimes too and be like, and no matter where, if you shit tank a movie and say you hate it because it's not doing what you want or you praise it because it's doing the opposite, it's just, it's so lazy. Um, July 8th, my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Sarah. Next year you get Ghostbusters, but not the lady one. <laughs> uh, uh, let's move on to Wonder Woman 1984. I don't have a ton of stuff to say about this, but it looks fun. Yeah, same. Um, I, I really dug the trailer. Obviously the remix uh, of the... the oh, no, the Blue Monday Blue by Mondays, New Order. Yeah. Um, thank you. No problem. I'm horrible with music. Um, think it's awesome. I thought it worked really, really well. Love the the neon text aesthetic, um, the eighties setting. 
Pedro uh, Pascal is like a yeah. Reagan era capitalist pig. Love it. Um, thought the action looked great. Um, uh, a really well done trailer, and it, it's after DC's winning me back slowly but surely. Right. Um, and I don't think uh, Patty Jenkins is going to say any stoop anything stupid like the way that uh, Todd Phillips has. No, no. Um, I like Patty Jenkins a lot more than I like Todd Phillips. Yeah. Um, as much as it hurts me to say, I still love. Although Joker, but... I mean, she she has some stuff where like she's worked with Michael Jackson and Brett Ratner and is right, defended which is like Brett Ratner, there was so. like yeah some weird stuff last year right where she was like still presenting him with an award yeah. after like fair um yeah but sometimes I mean I mean if you work with somebody you like, don't necessarily know about that other yeah. stuff but who knows um I don't know I thought this looked fun uh have no idea how they're bringing back Chris Pine <laughs> Um, Maybe makes... it'll be like a certain character in a certain movie that's out right now. Yeah, that um, it's just unexplained. Right, they just won't bring it up. Yeah, you know, they'll probably address it in this movie. I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, looks fun. Don't really have much else to say about it. No, but I mean, this year we're getting what? what I, I I think it was in the Hollywood Reporter or Variety that they were saying like we have four or five comic book movies this coming year that are going to be directed by women. Oh, yeah? Because Black Widow, Eternals, Wonder Woman 1984, Birds of Prey. That's great. All directed by women, yeah. That's cool. Is there anything else time. that's coming out comic book-wise this year? Um, next year, 2020? Yeah. The Eternals, did you mention? Yep. Sorry, I blanked out while I was reading a text. Um, yeah, I'm sure there are. I just forget off the top of my head. You might hear about them in our... Uh, upcoming episode where we are going to reveal our most anticipated 20 films of 2020, uh, which you'll get in the next couple weeks. So we'll talk about it on that episode. Uh, will Wonder Woman 1984 make the list? Who knows? You'll have to find out. How uh, speaking does of that, it feel? Uh, Black Widow also had its uh, first trailer. Uh, we saw footage of Black Widow back at our Disney preview presentation which i believe we talked about yeah um, and there's some new stuff that's in this trailer that i hadn't actually seen until today oh uh, wow you yeah. didn't watch the trailer no. until today oh wow um i think it's a good trailer um it's okay yeah it, it's a marvel trailer yeah it, lo- I it looks like david harbour is gonna be a fun character yeah exactly he's playing like russian captain america and um captain russia or or whatever but got a giant uh, beard pardon looks me dis- alexi <laughs> looks disheveled um uh good gag with him about putting on his costume again and that it fits um you got taskmaster as the villain there um, <laughs> i want to see like characters like taskmaster and ocean master hang out and sure yeah shoot the shit the masters um you think it's like a thing of golf yeah but with superhero villains sure um yeah i mean Again, I I thought the trailer was good. It looks like a Marvel movie, and I'm, I'm hoping it'll be a little more though, because I just think that like you know having someone like Rob Hardy as a cinematographer who's done the last Mission Impossible movie, and then Kate Shorland who directed uh, Lore um, and Somersault are are really interesting additions. And I feel like if it does break away enough from, and it should because like it doesn't really need to adhere to the next movie, right? Like, this is, like, a one-off thing. And I'm sure it'll introduce things that will carry over. It looks like, with me, with General Ross being in it, that um, there's this thing called the Thunderbolts, which is, like, his team of, like, um, 
it has like Red Hulk and some people who are like sort of villains, sort of not villains. Almost um, like his Suicide Squad? Sort of, but not so much purely just bad guys. I think it is mostly bad guys. I don't know enough about it, but they're called the Thunderbolts, which is like his secret team or whatever. And he ends up becoming Red Hulk. I don't think they'll end up doing that in the movies, but maybe. Um, but I think it might set that stuff up in Florence Pugh being maybe the new Black Widow, although she's denying that, but of course she is. Um, so I don't know. And I still think Rachel Weiss is probably playing Taskmaster. Yeah. Uh, she's certainly not playing Ocean Master. Um, so that's my ongoing theory. Um, and Taskmaster is an interesting villain because he like copies fighting styles from other people. So it looks like, um, Obviously, Hawkeye, you see him do the exact same arrow shot as Hawkeye, and and his fighting style is like Black Widow. Wasn't there well. a video game character that could do that, where like they could take the style of their opponent? Well, Taskmaster does do that in the Spider-Man game that just came out. <laughs> but Right, but like uh, in Super just, Smash Brothers or something like maybe, that, like there was like a character that could mimic... Maybe it was Kirby swallows yeah, the... Yeah, Kirby can swallow someone and, and become them, so, basically. So Taskmaster is the is Kirby. Uh, Kirby of the Marvel <laughs> yeah. Universe. Yeah, exactly. Hell yeah. Uh, Mulan, new trailer. Um, not much to say. Other... Also saw this trailer. Uh, yeah, at the Disney I've been avoiding trailers. I, or oh, at least you, you the only second ones. Yeah. Um, looks cool. They're trying to, I think, go a more... Not adult route, but they're taking out some of the more... I don't know. The, obviously, the musical Mushu numbers are is gone. not in there. Mushu's gone. I mean, they have the orchestral version of. Will McDonald's uh, sell that sauce though again? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Um, What's the sauce called? Szechuan sauce. Oh yeah. Um, the new season of Rick and Morty I've been watching too. I didn't put that on my list. It's good. It's fun. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think about Mulan. I, I guess I, again, cautiously optimistic. I that, think I'm just burnt out with the yeah. live action adaptations, and maybe if this. Maybe with this one, and I'll I'll be a little bit more forgiving because I'm like I've only seen Mulan once, once or twice. Yeah, same, and, and because, maybe they remove the musical aspect of and it. They're and actually stuff. making changes to make it seem more like an epic rather than. I mean, Mulan was always an epic, but it seems like they're making changes, and it won't just be a shot for shot remake. Yeah, although all the elements will probably still be there. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um. What do you think about the Free Guy trailer? thought it looked real bad. Too long. It was um, way too long, that trailer. Like, watching it, I was like, okay, it's kind of cute at first. Like, the guy who's kind of oblivious and realizes that, you know, it's almost like a Matrix-esque situation. Where he's in the video game and he's a non-playable character. Yeah, right? and then like, he kind of like has, like, idea. a wake-up call. And then... I love the idea. Yeah. Because I've always thought about that. Of, like, what if... If you programmed these characters to live their lives... And they don't know any better that they're in a game, right? So, like, when you're in Grand Theft Auto and you're doing all this crazy shit and you have to program them to feel fear or run away or scream or whatever. And I'm just like, that's an interesting concept of that if you find out and have this existential crisis that you are a non-playable character in this video game that you don't realize. But then then it gets really goofy and over the top. And, like, again, it's relying heavily on Ryan Reynolds' witty quips. Which is, I'm getting so sick of, dude. I'm like, I'm just getting so... Because he's, since Deadpool... Like, Ryan Reynolds has always been on that level. Um but I feel like Deadpool made him really be like, okay, let's go full Deadpool in everything. And I know he's always been that smart alecky kind of quippy, 
you know, guy. And Neva showed me uh, clips from uh, two guys, a girl, in a pizza place. Oh yeah, um, yeah. With uh... and he's been the exact same fucking thing since the nineties. Yeah, like early that 2000s. show changed so much from the first to second season because they it was. Nathan Fillion comes in the second season. Has Nevis watched other? I think so, but okay. she only showed me a little bit of the. Right. I'll talk to Nevis about it next time because um, I've always, I've always had, like, I've always found that kind of stuff interesting. You watched where, it, you like, yeah. That, yeah. Well, I mean, as I remember it as a kid, like there were shows like Student Bodies. Yeah, I love two uh, yeah. uh, guys, a girl on a pizza place. Which um, I never watched, dude. I just never saw Breaker it. High. Like Breaker all high of I these watched. shows were there, but some reason that just completely never saw a single she showed me this i was, I was more like, a breaker high guy than i same. was two guys and a girl in pizza so place. neva showed me clips from this and i was like i have not watched a single second of this show before did not even know it existed you should see and, it, it, one of his first roles in the x-files yeah he was uh he's a big boy oh yeah oh yeah um in this in pizza place he was he hasn't changed at all yeah it's the exact same no, thing no he, yeah it's and a stick he's like doing he's, his he's not he's not acting i mean it, it's fine that he's selling himself as a brand and like sure. he's found the thing but that he's works fine for him just being typecasted as the exact same thing over and over again hey that's he he's he, he basically has the same career it, yeah. as chevy chase chevy chase Fair. just did the same thing over and over again until he just became a bitter old angry man Right. And was leaving and voice messages on Dan Harmon's answering machine. It's wild to me. And um, I'm getting really sick of it. Yeah. Um, I was sick of it with Deadpool. And now right. you know why. Because right. I've seen it so much. Right. Where, I mean, the Gauze Man, Breaker High, yeah. completely different role from every – like, it's such a versatile actor. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> he kidding. Can be, he could be a student on a cruise ship. You're kind of saying that as a joke, but I mean way more nuanced in, in being able to do different things than fucking Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. No, Ryan Reynolds well, – Ryan Gosling is great. Yeah. But yeah. Ryan Reynolds is just so one note, dude, and I'm getting so sick of it. And it's just like – I know it's probably overdue for me to be sick of it, but – um, this free guy trailer sent me over the edge, man. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. And, and Six really, Underground, that should like be Six Underground, something... made me insane. Like, right, and, and and free guy should be something that you would like, at least be yeah. interested in. Yeah, and I think Ready Player One already did something way more interesting. As much as that movie and Wreck It Ralph and, and Wreck It mm. Ralph, and like are saying so much more about video games or the Matrix. And, uh, yeah, than this movie. It, this seems so lazy and like obvious. So I, I um. Hashtag I'm, basic. I really not cautiously optimistic. I think this looks. What about Taika? I mean, I love Taika, <laughs> and seeing him as this weird, like he seems like he's the programmer or the owner of this video game company. Right. He's probably right? in it though for like five minutes. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. Um, what else do you want to go into? Let's go into. Oh no, to no time to die. We didn't talk about. Um, oh yeah, did we? No, no, I don't think we did. No, because it. it premiered like i think the yeah. day after we recorded the last episode um this trailer i there's something off about this trailer and it's I don't as know though carrie in... fukunaga was playing playstation 4 sure yeah <laughs> uh he's playing free guy on his playstation 4 um no i there's something off i find the editing or the way this trailer to be set up really janky like it just doesn't feel like a super polished uh studio trailer. It doesn't um, know what to sort of sell. Like yeah. I, I was thinking like, okay, so is it selling Bond out of retirement or is it selling 
Bond is now no longer Bond, or is it selling the fact that Blofeld is a part of this, or, or is it Bond's selling back? Or and then all like, of a sudden, like in the last like minute, it's like, oh, Bond by the way, Rami yeah. Malek is the villain in this, and, and he wears he, a weird, and he's the, the mask singer, <laughs> or he wears, the, yeah, he wears a Phantom of the Opera mask, yeah. and he's no and, Gerard Butler, but who is? Um, um, and yeah, I know, I totally agree with you. Where it's like the first even the minute, action. yeah, the first minute or so, you're like, what the. F- why does this feel weird? And then the last minute, I feel like it, like you said, it kind of starts to pick up and, and shows it's, it's what it probably will end up being. And it ends up looking like a Bond movie, but... For better or worse. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what to, what to think or feel about this. Like the trailer, I've watched it a few times now and, and it, I've gotten easier on it. But those fir- that first opening minute is just very weird. I'm still me. mad at Rami Malek. For Bohemian, yeah. Um, yeah, same. But I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know what to think anymore about him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have Christoph Waltz coming back. Um, and Which is their, like, Hannibal Lecter moment, right? Like, and I have a feeling, like, Rami Malek's um, motivations in the movie, you see he's very scarred, right? Like, he's burned, and that's why he wears this mask. And I like that when they do these weird quirks with Bond villains and shit like that. Like, right. Um, I well, loved... all the best Bond villains have like some sort of deformity yeah, or like, scar. I mean, in Skyfall, I love when um, Bardem pulls out uh, his fucking teeth and his face sinks in and shit. Like, uh, that's really cool. But if he's like an eco terrorist, I'm going to be like, See, I don't oh, know if lame. he will be that or if he talks about Bond and like how you have no regard for anyone what you when when you're doing these things and i i don't know maybe they'll flash back and have it tie into some of the other stuff he's done where but they already um, did that though with with, with specter yeah. you know and 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 it feels like that's the other thing where like i i feel waltz and uh mads mickelson and javier bardem are these imposing you know, uh, villains and they can actually go toe to toe with Daniel Craig's bond. I don't buy it with like, I truly think like you take away his guns and, and like his toys and his mask and his fucking mask. And Daniel Craig's going to have, you know, hand his ass to him. And, and I feel like, how do you make him scary? Yeah. And I feel with, with Bardem and Waltz and, and Mads Mikkelsen, they use their intelligence and their, 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 I'm sure that's what they'll know do with how, him right? too. Yeah, but, but he just doesn't have that same imposing nature as those guys do. Fair. I- I'm curious that you don't see much of him in this. So right. Um, cautiously optimistic or cautiously scared? <laughs> cautiously scared. I mean, yeah. Anna Darmus has arms. Oh, she looks dope though. Yeah, she looks cool. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, man. she's armed. Yeah, literally. Yeah, Anna. Her sequence in the trailer is so. Is but she's rad. probably. I, I think she's playing like the the sidekick villain or like the the, the, hench, the henchman. Yeah, like the odd job. Sure, not sexy, random sexy odd job. Not random task. Uh, random task is a great name. Um, God bless Austin Powers, <laughs> Jay Roach. Yeah. Everything that guy is, is not a good person, though. You heard about uh, that story, right? The guy who plays? Uh, Random right? Task. Oh, no. So apparently he locked, like, four or five women in a basement. And, oh, my good yeah. lord. No, yeah. okay. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, well, it's not the character. It's not the writer's fault. Yeah, like, I know. He, yeah, yeah, Random but, Task yeah. is still fine. but Yeah, and Odd Job is okay. Uh, who became Mr. Fuji in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the woman in the window. Oh, God. This looks like a... A girl on the train wreck, man. 
You mean the girl on the train? Yeah, I know. Literary adaptations. I tried to make a pine. I know, I know, I know. But literary adaptations, I'm becoming more and more wary with, not just because of Motherless Brooklyn hurting me like there was no end, but like you look at a lot of people were saying this kind of looks almost like the snowman, um, but (laughs) Goldfinch. Yeah. Um, what else came out recently that was like just like Where again he's like a popular a popular novel. The only one that's done it right is Gone Girl, Be- right? And 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 Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and they were both directed by David Fincher. So if you're not David Fincher, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I like Joe Wright as a director, but the things that I've heard from Tracy Letts, your dad, um, who's also in Ghostbusters uh, Afterlife, yeah, yeah, um, with his wife everywhere. Carrie Coon. You gonna tell him about the gift that you got him for for Christmas? No. You should do that on on yeah. <laughs> be like Carrie. I got him. <laughs> sure. Anyways, um, I digress. But him talking about how like none of the screen tests went really well with the audiences, and that they had to do major reshoots, and he kind of gave up on the production, and that they brought other people in. Kind of is like oh, but he's still in the movie. He's still in the movie, and he wrote it. He adapted. It. Oh, he wrote it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And apparently the original version that he wrote, when they started showing it to test audiences, hated it. They thought it was too convoluted and confusing. And so Fox, when it got bought by Disney, Disney, the one of the first things with their productions was like, okay, we'll, we'll give you the money to go and reshoot like, this, yeah. but we want you to write this and make it more conventional. Interesting. Yeah. See, when you say Tracy Letts written... Joe Wright directed thriller. That sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> but um I mean Tracy Letts is, is a great playwright and writer and like him adapting somebody else's material, he can probably do something really interesting with it and turn like a pulpy airplane novel into something that's kind of fun and dark and subversive. And like this looks like a generic rear window ripoff that is closer to flight plan than it is Rear yeah. window. It looks. I was just watching it. I'm like, this looks surprise, like shockingly bad. Yeah, and like not in an intentional way either. And Gary and Oldman even, sounds like, like his character from The Laundromat. Yeah, and not even. Yeah, not even in a fun way either. Like it just looks like no, this is going to be straight up bad. Which is like what Girl on the Train kind of was. Yeah. It wasn't even like over the top. An amazing cast. Fun. Bruno Delbanel is the cinematographer. Crazy dude. Like I don't know. Maybe it's just a bad trailer, but. Um, I don't know. I I've lost all interest and hope in that movie. Um uh we also got the trailer for uh A Quiet Place Part 2 which was 30 seconds long, didn't really show anything. Well, there's actually I think a full trailer on uh with Black Christmas. Is it or is it just this teaser? I think it's a trailer because oh. people are talking about it the way that um Happy Death Day and there was something else that the Blumhouse production. Interesting. Yeah. I thought it was the same 30 well, second Well, I'm going to go see Black Christmas in the next day or two, so I'll let you know the next time we, okay, we cool. talk. So not much to say about this version. It was just them walking through the woods, but yeah. the whole family's back with their the kid well, as well. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really like The Quiet Place, so... Um, I do too, but I just hope that they don't overstay their welcome. Agreed. Um, did you see the trailer for Respect? I did. I mean, it's not really a trailer. It's more of an announcement. Yeah, it's more of a, like Jennifer hey, Hudson at... has something post cats. Yeah, and she obviously can sing. Uh, right, Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. Yeah. 
But I will say this. If you have not seen the documentary Amazing Grace, it's it's available now on Blu-ray. It's available on iTunes. You should check that out. Uh... Okay, we pretty much covered. Oh, do you want to say anything about Saint Maud? You actually saw. I did. Movie. I uh, I actually really uh, liked the movie quite a bit. It's uh, going to piss off a lot of people that think it's a straight up horror movie. Yeah, because it, it does fall into that category of a twenty four elevated horror, <laughs> where they're trying to trick you. It's more psychological. Here's a than Billie anything. Eilish song. It's, so. it's a psychological thriller in the vein of Sunset Boulevard. Will Billie Eilish fans be thrilled? Um, no. No, they will not. I, I do want to see it. I just It's okay. Uh, it's 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 not a great movie, but it has an amazing performance in it from uh uh Morford uh Clark, um, who had a very, very small role in Crawl as the sister uh who is Skyping in uh with uh Kayla Skull uh Yeah. Yeah. And uh she was in uh Love and Friendship as well with uh Kate Beckinsale. She played uh, the daughter. Cool. That. So she's uh, she's gonna have a breakout year, and actually, she was announced that she was gonna be um, Gladriel in uh, the Lord of the Rings Amazon series after Will Poulter left. Same character or no different? No, 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 no. Will oh, Poulter, Will so, Poulter sorry, dropped out. So Will she... Poulter dropped out, but she was then like cast announced, right afterwards. Yeah, but she's playing a different character. She's playing the Kate Blanchett role. Interesting. I have no interest in that. Uh, and then finally, uh, the trailer for Downhill dropped, which is the remake of Force Majeure, the English-language remake of Force Majeure, uh, a movie both Eric and I, I think, really, really enjoy. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I was talking with Jordan at work, and Jordan sent me it, and he's just like, ugh. And, he's playing Sundance, too. Yeah, I know. And I like Nat Faxon and Jim Rash a lot. Um, and I like Will Ferrell and, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, yeah. like, is somebody that I hope actually does more movies, because the only other film she's done in the last six, seven years was uh, Enough Said, and she was really great in that. She was busy with Veep, right? Yeah. So but she's always been a TV actor, mm-hmm. specifically, but, like, she's, she's she has a good movie presence, too. Yeah, and, uh, it, I mean, it looks like Force Majeure, but, like, I just feel like... It is, but without subtitles yeah. in English. Well, and that's what I mean. But I we talk about this a lot where sometimes things just don't translate properly. Right. And I feel like this could be one of those instances. Or it's missing its, like, weird factor. Or, like, maybe it was just the surprise or or we were pleasantly surprised with Force Majeure because we didn't really know anything of it. But um, I, I can't wait to rewatch Force Majeure yeah. <laughs> um, before I see this. God, if they remake The Square, um, like... Oh man. It yeah, I mean they play this very straight. Um I know Force Majeure does play it mostly straight, but there That's is what a, makes it funny. Yeah, and then that's what's there is a weird kind of and will that humor translate well? Or is, or is it just people going gonna to expect Will Ferrell to just to be, be will, funny, yeah. right? Which, the same thing with the Julie. And Dreyfus. there are those moments where they get drunk at the party and you there you know there will be those Will Ferrell esque kind of moments. Um but it's mostly played straight, and it is this kind of uncomfortable uh, kind of thing between this man and his his wife and his family. Um, and I just don't know if that'll translate, because it didn't translate very well in the trailer, I thought. No. Um, and from someone, maybe it'll work for people who haven't seen Force Majeure, but then I'll be like, damn, you're really ruining Force Majeure. You should just go watch that movie. Yeah. Um, 
But so, people won't because it's subtitled, you know? Yeah, like that's, and I, that's I wonder, always, like, uh, I mean, uh, what's his name from Game of Thrones is in both this and he was in the original. He's yeah. playing a different character. He's not the best friend anymore in this, which is played by, what's his name from uh, uh, Silicon Valley, and he's, like, the assistant guy, the nerdy dude. Oh, I was going to um, say Thomas Middleditch. No, it's not that guy. It's... Anyways, it doesn't matter. Thomas Middleditch um, is a weird dude. Yeah. Have you read about him? No. He's a swinger. Oh, yeah? Cool. Oh, yeah. Good for him. If it's consensual, who cares? Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just... I hope it's okay. It, playing Sundance, it'll be interesting to see what people think, especially because that crowd... Force Majeure also played Sundance, or no? I think it was Can. Can, yeah. Um, but I remember just having a great experience watching Force Majeure with you at my old condo, just on that screener we got. Right. Was it the old condo? Or no, it was the place rented? that we, uh, airbnb Yeah. Mike, uh, months. Uh, oh, it was this one that's near this yeah, condo yeah. that we rented on Queen Memories. Street, right? Um, Memories. and I just remember being blown away with that movie. And I remember interviewing, um, Ruben Ostland, right? Yeah. Um, and him talking about that orc, score, that score, and that he got, <laughs> got that on YouTube. Of, yeah, he's like, I got that. It was a kid playing accordion on YouTube, and that's where I got that piece of score from. And I was like, incredible. Like, do you think they'll use that, or it'll be more conventional? I like, think it'll be more conventional, but yeah. I don't know. I want to again. I want to give both Nate Faxon and Jim Rash the benefit of the doubt because they are kind of weird, interesting guys that maybe they can bring something to it. I mean, I'm sure they are fans of force majeure but yeah it just to me looks like just from the trailer like a generic watered down version of what that movie is or what yeah. that movie was agreed all right and that wraps up uh um, massive talking trailers i think i'm just gonna call it here is tap there any, out is there any news piece you really like where you want to talk about the award stuff quickly or I mean right now we're seeing just in terms of like what's getting nominated Parasite's doing really really well Which is a great sign. SAG Ensemble yeah. was a was a big deal um Irishman obviously doing well uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Which are all the movies I I expected I mean Parasite was that one where we weren't sure like we wanted it all to be Right but it seems to be I mean like when Bong Joon-ho is on Jimmy Fallon like you know this movie's hit next level Yeah Like that's insane Um, That is insane for a foreign language film and a guy who can only speak a little bit of English Yeah And like so you know Parasite has kind of landed and kind of transcended that um you know the cinephile audience that will watch foreign films and stuff like that. Not saying only cinephiles do, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, the the modern, not modern, uh, you know, everyday American audience doesn't want to watch subtitled. The general public. Yeah. General public is the word that I'm, my brain's fried right now. I know, but, um, that's a great sign, dude. I think Parasite right now is weirdly the front runner still. I don't, Uh, I think it's either Irishman or Hollywood. And I think, I think those, Hollywood. I think I those movies Hollywood. are going to split um, either picture or director. So I think it'll either be Tarantino winning directing or Hollywood winning picture and then Irishman winning director or picture. Hmm. You still think the Netflix thing, is that bias gone? Be, will no, I don't think it's or... gone, but I think they'll make the exception for the rule with, with Scorsese. With Scorsese. Like he is the exception. Right. Especially with this kind of movie where it's like he's bringing... I'm going to go out on a limb and say Parasite wins one of those two. 
I, I mean, I'd love to see that, but I, I see there's more bias with that. Than the Just, Netflix thing? Yeah, really? because I feel like, again, it's foreign language. There's, there is a group of people that probably you think they'll just give it foreign language film and then it won't win best well picture. i didn't say only foreign language i mean no, I, think I mean it, not it only, might win sorry. production design and yes. things like that and it depends how many nominations it gets if it gets like seven or eight then i would say yes it's it's a stronger contender than than what we're even thinking but it, it just depends how many nominations like if song kang ho gets nominated for supporting actor then i'm like Okay, yeah, this thing could in. win yeah. so, for Best Picture. So, But at this moment, I think it, it's come down to Tarantino and Scorsese. Interesting. I, um, I don't disagree with that. I always thought Hollywood was up there with Parasite as those two movies that I feel like I continuously hear people talk about. And it, they have kind of stuck around and, and, uh, and stayed in the conversation of those two movies that are at that top tier where... Anyone I talk to really loves both of those movies. Even people who aren't even the biggest Tarantino fans that I talk to, like, still really liked Hollywood. Same. Um, universally, everyone I talk to loves Parasite. Like, even people who I would never have thought would go see a foreign language film or something like that. Um, so, and Irishman, yeah. Again, maybe it's just because I'm removed because I don't really like Irishman all that much that maybe my, I'm ha- having my own you know inner right uh, but i think it's again like it's scorsese where like this is like a big big film for him and like this could be like the the last time that you know he does a gangster movie on this kind of level like he's even said that he kind of wants to get away from that a little bit now so it feels like this would be the film to give it because he's only one i mean he has one for directing the departed back in 2006 but you look at his career he probably should have won like two or three times at this point for directing i mean he should have won for you know taxi driver which he wasn't even nominated he should have won for goodfellas which he you know lost to kevin costner for dances with wolves he should have won for raging bull which he lost to robert redford uh for uh ordinary people so you know like it kind of weirdly still feels due or like you should give him another win at some point. And I feel like this is like that moment for him, weirdly. Doesn't Even that though go Tarantino QT as well? Yeah, like... I mean Tarantino that and that, that's also a, a good narrative to kind of focus on. I mean Tarantino has won two Oscars for screenplay. Uh-huh. Um one shared with Roger Avery for Pulp Fiction and then the other for Django Unchained, but he's never won director. And he's only been nominated twice for director, which was for Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. So if he gets nominated, it's going to come down to those two. I, I think for director? It, for director and picture, I think like at the end of the day on, but Paris, if it, if Parasite gets, you know, like nominations and categories, it's not expected to, then I would say, watch out. There's your Oscar update from Eric Marchin. Yeah. Um, what do I know though? I mean, you're pretty knowledgeable with this. Shit. I just don't get the Ford V Ferrari thing for best picture. To win? No, just or? to get nominated. That doesn't surprise me. Um, it's so bland. I know, but that's why it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that's um, true. It's that conven- There's always one of those con- super conventional kind of, that was fine, I don't get it, but I sort of get why it landed with that crowd, if that makes sense. Right. 
cats for best picture old white dudes dude that movie was made for old white dudes right <laughs> like it's a dad movie through and through and i'm not saying dad movies always make it into the oscars but the odd time that's nest kind of we're getting to that point where that age group is our dad's age group so yeah a little bit older maybe but but what about cats cats doesn't show up anywhere i don't think no not I mean, I thing. actually would be surprised if it shows up somewhere because I, I mean, I think I texted you this where like Norbit still got nominated for for makeup, right? But I don't so, even think this gets a makeup or vis- visual effects thing because of did yeah. it make the shortlist? I have no idea because of all the fuck ups where it got released without even finished special effects. That would immediately. Make oh, I don't go think away. it is. I'm actually basically joking, but I it know, would but... be amazing if like it showed up in like sound or something sound design or sound editing like even you said it's best uh the best song thing it didn't even show up it didn't make the cut yeah yeah so it's like i don't know where you could visual effects would be the only thing and i don't think it has a fucking chance in hell no but that's so fascinating because i bet you in their mind they were putting this as a prestige movie right yeah and then like oh yeah like it was going to be nominated for best picture you know directing screenplay and people kept laughing when it the only place at the globes it showed up was best song well they right? didn't even and see like, the movie they were yeah. sent the song that was right. it and they didn't even know the context of what the song but someone told me that they were the only audience that they did screen it for well it wasn't done because yeah, tom hooper finished. said that like he finished sure. it so they well, he them didn't a... even finish it during the red yeah. carpet <laughs> um they didn't screen them the finished version but i think they were the, one of the only ones where um they actually showed them a cut of the movie right and it'd be amazing if it was just them all in motion capture suits it's like trust me it'll look great once yeah. it's once it's done um okay guys uh that wraps up this episode uh of the untitled movie podcast um there wasn't a ton of news so i don't think you're missing much if we don't really talk about anything it's that holiday time of year um so uh i hope you guys had a great uh christmas hanukkah kwanzaa festivus um, whatever you celebrate, I know this is uh, on Boxing Day here in Canada that this episode's dropping. So go buy some shit, I guess. Yay! Um, <laughs> go to. The, I hope you went to the movies, and I hope you have a great break. Uh, it's been a great 2019. Will you get another episode before the new year? Probably. I think maybe you'll get a New Year's Eve or a New Year's Day episode from Eric and I. Man, where, your porg looks pissed um, at me. Where we're going to talk about our uh, best of 2019, as well as we're going to do a. Um, most, most anticipated, anticipated of 2020 i think we could probably do those in the same episode but we'll, yeah. uh, we'll see um thank you all for listening if you like this go listen to our reviews ep- uh, uh show sorry we've been recording for like 11 hours straight um we have on untitled movie reviews we have reviews up for uh the rise of skywalker cats little women 1917 uh, and more you guys should go uh listen to those and uh on our last draft of uh this podcast we did a spoiler cast for the rise of skywalker so you guys can go listen to that if you caught up with that over the christmas slash holiday break um as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all of the social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric march and you can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 and if you want to follow untitled movie podcast you can follow us at untitled underscore cast on both Instagram, Twitter, and we're also on Facebook. Eric uh, posts whenever there's a new episode up, both on stories, in feed, on Twitter, 
Um, and Keeping we, you up to date. And we both do that on our own channels as well. Uh, happy holidays, everyone. Uh, we'll be back with our best of slash most anticipated episode. We're looking forward to that. Uh, and until next time. You'll poke your eye out with that thing. <laughs>